We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Hot Radio 77. Ah, no, no, no. That's not Bernard McGurk. It's not Sid Rosenberg, that's for sure. Uh, and it is Curtis Sliwa with Chris Hahn. Chris, my hands across uh, Brooklyn, Queens, right into Long Island. There you go, buddy. How you doing? Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. I've had better days. I'll go through it later on. But we start this program because today I am officially calling it Frank's Giving Day. There you go. Do you know what Frank's Giving Day is? Frank's wife's giving day. That's right. That's for sure. She Congratulations, gave us Frank. A brand new baby. I I don't know what the gender is. Uh, do you have uh, inside information on this? I I have no inside information, but I think uh, Chris Han Morano would be a very nice name, or Christine Han Morano. All right. I, I think it, I, I think it's a nice flow to it. Yeah, that's we'll, all I'm saying, Frankie. We'll put that. We'll put that in the mix, but that's not going to go in Staten, Italy. That's for sure where they live. But I will tell you this. Um, it may well be that President Joe Biden, who is uh, taking the Thanksgiving Day holiday and then tuck it in some billionaire's uh, big estate with his wife, he may end up declaring next Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, by pushing it up a week like FDR did in 1939. So there'll be an extra week of Christmas shopping just in case the economy goes south, pal. Frank's child will share a birthday with my former boss, Chuck Schumer, who unfortunately lost his dad last night. So we're sending out love to him. Yeah, I was at a Chinese banquet with Chuck Schumer just the night before. We'll discuss that later on. He was not very pleased when he saw me there. Well, I mean, you know, you're wearing the same jacket you were wearing in 1978. So yeah, I people are kind of like, hey, what's up, buddy? But this is the season of Thanksgiving. It's the end of the election cycle. You would think that he would extend his hand in solidarity to me. Didn't do that. Nah. Uh, are you are you sure you're not reading into things, Curtis? I mean, I, I mean, no, I no, I, like, I know what you're people... always reading between the lines. No, no, you no, always I, feel like nobody wants to see you. I, I know, know, I know when people hate me. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we wish congratulations to obviously uh, Frank and Rachel, uh, Rachel who just delivered what within the past hour, and Frank ran out of here. He's probably blowing through every speed camera between here and Tottenville on the south end of Staten Island. He will not get a reprieve on that, that's for sure. Well, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars of tickets. But <laughs> this morning, right here on the Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg show, and we'll be doing the same thing, so nice we do it twice tomorrow. There we go. You are proving to the world on this Thanksgiving Day that you, Chris Hahn, are the ultimate Maytag <laughs> preparing the capon at your home for a massive list of Democrat, liberal, and progressive uh, guests uh, in oh, your... Oh, yeah. I'm sure my, 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 my preacher parents feel that they're very liberal. <laughs> so... <laughs> well, just tell my us. evangelical minister mother and father, they're going to really right, come over here but, but, with their liberal attitude. <laughs> so. But j- just tell us how it is that you got roped into being uh, the master chef today for the Han extravaganza at your home. Well, it's simple, Curtis. I'm half Italian, and my wife is English and Irish. So uh, there you go. Who's going to cook in the house? Me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just the way it goes. Yeah. And, and, and you know, uh, not for nothing, 
Uh, I've spent a lot of time the last couple of years, especially during the early days of the pandemic when there was no sports to watch, uh, watching Chopped and uh, Guy's Grocery Games and Diners, Drive-Ins and Dives and Beat Bobby. I like competition, and I've learned a lot <laughs> on those shows, frankly, and I like putting it to you. I enjoy cooking. I don't know what to tell you. I had 20 people coming before Mr. Katsabatidis asked me to come in today. I said, okay, I'll come in. But I got to do it from home. Well, let me tomorrow. Let me explain uh, one thing. Put on your best sateen jacket. I'll be there. Uh, I am not one to be watching cooking shows, but my wife all of a sudden is enthralled. Nancy is enthralled with these cooking shows. I got a glimpse of that chopped show you were talking about. You talk about humiliating people, emasculating people, degrading them, turning them into human piñatas because yeah. they're attempting to beat the time clock to prepare these uh, uh, special dishes. I mean, you must really like that. Uh, the sadists must come out in you because I notice the judges, they spare no mercy on these uh, these uh, competitors. I, I do love it. Uh, it is, it's good drama. I mean, it's almost as good as, you know, I, I like the show American Ninja Warrior. I don't know if you watch it. You should compete once your arm heals. <laughs> but but my, my favorite part of American Ninja Warrior is when they do a backstory on somebody for like five minutes, you know, talking about their struggle to get here to the American Ninja Warrior track. And then they fall into the water on the second obstacle. I love it. Man, you are a sadist. You really live vicariously through what you watch on TV, don't you? I think you got to find comedy in unintentional places, Curtis, like bull riding, like American Ninja Warrior, like Chopped. There's always something funny to be found in these places. And I know, you know, you and I usually talk politics. It's Thanksgiving. I mean, we could talk a little politics because that's our thing. And whoa, 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 People will get it out of their system. Oh, but I think we should try to avoid politics. Uh, hold on, Chris. Hahn. What are the rules and regulations at the Han residency? Because 65% of Americans polled almost equal numbers of Democrats, Republicans, and independents have said that on their chop table will be no discussion of politics whatsoever, no matter who the eccentric people are who are coming over, no matter what their past diatribes have been. People yeah. are being told, before you come over, understand there aren't that many rules and regulations. One of them is simply do not discuss politics. I cannot believe that that is a rule nor a regulation in the Han household today. So I will spend a lot of time cooking to avoid talking to anybody. Uh, but no, will you be I tasting your, your little briers as you go through? Will you be tasting it constantly? Uh, yeah, I'll be in the kitchen uh, doing the work. With your little apron on? Uh, no apron. With but, doilies uh, on it? Maybe I'll put – got to find that apron. Somebody got me an apron. Uh, i got to go find it. Uh, but, you know, bottom line is this. I plan on discussing how bad the Giants and the Jets have been, and I'm sure everyone at my table will agree with that. We are all huge Giant fans, and, and my, you know, my, my, my real dad is a Jet fan. My stepdad and I are both Giants fans. Uh, and we will we will all converse about how bad they have played this year and how bad the franchise has been. Whoa, 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 whoa. And, this and we'll talk about how we're hopeful for a good Knicks season because we're all 
We're all Knicks fans. But they're not doing too well either. But let me ask you a question. Well, man, you know, they're doing better than expected. Uh, Let's I, just put it that way. I'm a Giants fan, but I'm telling you, uh, ever since they got the wonder guy from Duke because he's so intelligent, the Harvard of the South instead of a typical football factory, uh, Jonesy has not done anything. And then Barkley, right? He was supposed to be your savior from Penn State. What he's happened? Hurt. I understand he may, he may never return to the greatness that he showed initially in his rookie no. season. I I don't think so either. I think that injury really messed him up, and I don't think he's ever going to be back to where he was. And it's a shame because he was a superstar in the making. And Daniel Jones, you know, it's funny. Early in the season, they were losing games, and receivers were dropping balls in their hands. And, uh, you know, they they were losing by, you know, a, a field goal. Um. But the last five games, he's just looked pathetic, and it's sad because I like him. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know if he's the future of the franchise either. Well, you know, you look at the Jets; similar problems. So again, in this particular capacity, you will end up being the human pinata if you just discuss sports. You're going to run out of discussion real quick with both the Giants' seasons of late, the Jets' seasons of late, Nick' season last year. Yeah, this year, I don't know. So, hey, you're running out of topics to discuss. Don't tell me at the Han household you're not going to be delving into politics at all. Well, I do have two dogs, so we'll talk about the dogs, and we'll go walk the dogs, um, which is always good. You know, I like to take people on a nice two-mile hike, (laughs) so we'll do that. That'll tire everybody out. So, yeah, there might be a little politics discussed. Look, everybody wants to talk talk politics with me, right? I'm a guy who talks about politics. Uh, on national a television, mile they a come minute. over and they've got, hey, I saw you on this show last night. What did you do? You right. know, blah 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 blah. A mile you know? a minute. So, so right. you can't just uh, crawl into a, a non political cocoon and act like you have no opinions whatsoever on Thanksgiving Day. In fact, on that note, Chris, I want to give our numbers out to find out what the rules and regulations are in households throughout the tri-state area and beyond that receive the 50,000 pound for watts of sound of WABC. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. If in fact, as this national poll has indicated, have you imposed rules and regulations that forbid Make it verboten that politics get discussed at any of your family or friends' gatherings. Uh, if not just today, Thanksgiving Day, when all the leftovers uh, are being munched and crunched the next few days. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, I'm assuming that... This is not like Billy Sunday, who was preaching for a while that it took him uh, like three days to get up enough spit in his uh, enough moisture in his mouth to spit. You're not a prohibitionist uh, at your household. You mentioned English, Irish, and Italian. So I gotta believe that some people are knocking back a few uh, on this holiday, which definitely loosens lips. Well, yeah, you know um, uh, they will be, but nobody in my family is a big drinker. I don't drink at all. Um, you know, my wife will have a couple glasses of wine. Uh, you know, my, my dad will, my mother, my, my stepfather don't drink at all. Uh, and then my in-laws will knock down a few too. So, I mean, it'll, it'll be what it is. Uh, nobody here is a huge, we don't have a huge drinking group, uh, coming over today. Now my Super Bowl party, that's a whole nother. Now, now, hold on, we'll have a lot on, of on a day like that. Thanksgiving with 20 people there, you don't have a big drinking group. Are they uh, predominantly wasps? No, I mean my my father's Jewish. 
Um, All right, you know, so mother, is, is he going to have the Italian. Mo- Is he going to have the Mogan David? Is is he going to have something, something of no, a my, well, celebratory my dad, my drink? Dad, my, my dad will have a couple Guinnesses. My dad, uh, you know, is a retired teamster, and he will have a couple Guinnesses. He'll knock them down, uh, but he doesn't. He doesn't overindulge either. I don't have anybody. You know, I I don't have anybody in my family that knocks them down really anymore. My you know my my brother unfortunately passed. He would. Uh, but, uh, but no, it, it'll be, you know, my sister's Italian, her, her husband's Italian. Um, you know, there's no, uh, there's no major, uh, drinking going on. God. I, and I, I'm predicting right now over under point spread since there's so many point spreads, uh, being uh, laid out over this weekend of football that there will be politics that will bloom at some point of your gathering. How long do you all expect Absolute, to be together? No. I don't know, four hours or oh, so? Oh, hell yeah. Come on. Four or five hours? Hell yeah. Yeah. No, that's why, you know, there's kids to talk about. You know, the kids <laughs> Soccer, are there. Soccer, right. Soccer. I got my, you know, one of my dogs is a puppy, and he's, she is very difficult to deal with. And everybody loves dogs in this house. Everybody that's coming over loves dogs. And, um, you know, the puppy's going to take up a lot of attention, and it'll distract people from the politics. Does the puppy she, nip? Uh, you know, my, my, does the puppy nip people? Not really, no. She nips the other dog, but she doesn't nip people. <laughs> so she's a very loving golden retriever who will lie on her belly if you get mad at her. By the so, way, uh, very good. your home insurance policy out there in Long Island, does it cover uh, dog bites? Uh, yes, it does. Because <laughs> so remember, it's only on the second bite, not the first bite. You get a freebie. But it's that second bite that they'll, they'll end up taking you to the cleanest, Chris. Let me warn you. Well, the, first bite these is dogs free. Are, second one. These dogs, are, these dogs are so cute, Curtis, you'll let them bite you. That's how cute they are. That's all I'm saying. Let them bite you. <laughs> you will. you let them. Oh, my God, she's biting me. Well, anyway, oh, how adorable. When we come back, Chris Hahn, you're going to have to break down to us how Chef Hahn is preparing his turkey, which I really think is a capon because, Chris, by the way you've described your domestic situation, it sounds very much by a, like a lot of guys have a capon, uh, like castrated rooster. That's the way many of us feel oftentimes. But you're going to be macho maniacal. You're going to be uh, handling that turkey. And I want to sort of Q&A you on some of the Han yeah. style because you know if that turkey ain't on point, the rest, no matter how good, I mean, it's going to just make it, it a dismal yeah. day. Turkey is the star of the show, and I do it low and slow. At some point during this broadcast, I'm going to have to go downstairs and put it in the oven. So, uh, you know, uh, let's let's roll. Wait, wait a second. You do it low and slow. What are you talking about there? That sounds uh, psychosexual there. You do it. 325. And it's going to cook. It's a 24-pound bird. It's going to cook for almost five hours. And you got the um, uh, thermometer you the, the thermometer in there, the house uh, thermometer, whenever you're checking the temperatures of your children and I, you just stick it right I into the a, bird? Nope. I have a meat thermometer that is specially designed for this situation. It's got oh, a long needle. Specially designed. The inner temperature. And here's the key, America. They tell you you need to get the turkey out at 170, which is when you're supposed to eat it at 170. You take it out at 165 because it will continue cooking out. The, you know, turkeys are, are are big. It's a big, huge piece of meat with bones in it. You take it out at 165. It'll get up to 170 while it's cooling. 
it'll still pop up outside of the oven. So, you know, don't wait for it to get to 170. If it's in, if it's in the oven at 170, it's been in too long. Well, Chris. That's my, my belief. I'm not going to declare myself to be an expert on turkeys. You, amongst the many stars and starlets here at WABC, are clearly the number one turkey here at WABC. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Oh, no doubt about turkey. that. At least I'm not a jive turkey like you. Come on. <laughs> anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9. I'm just a good-looking, golden, delicious turkey. You know, I don't know. You know, I know you don't see wild well, wait, turkeys. That, well, wait, you had, on, mention on the, the the, you had to mention the name of the turkey, right? So you're getting a little payola here? Is that what it is? A, a little moolah shmoolah <laughs> under the table? Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222 upon our return. Not today. Bernard McGurk is up in the uh, Irish Alps, somewhere in the Catskills, having a spud turkey made all of uh, potatoes from his Irish heritage. And then uh, Sid Rosenberg is having glach kosher, a uh, turkey, uh, from the Jewish Himalayas, which is also up in the Catskills on the other side. Uh, I bet you you didn't know that, Chris Hahn, as we substitute for the boys today and tomorrow. I did not know that. See, <laughs> you got to know the nitty gritty, but we just and heard... I've spent a lot of time in both. So there you go. <laughs> well, we just heard uh, our uh, colleague, Janine Pirro, who's on Sundays after Rudy from 11 to 12. She was doing uh, the advertisement for gold, but she was featured on Saturday Night Live this past Saturday. She was the opening act. One of the actresses there did Janine Pirro. And Janine did not mention it. Yeah, she did not mention it at all on her Sunday morning program on WABC. Didn't even acknowledge it. What's that all about? Most times, people generally will either bring it up themselves or callers will bring it up. Well, that was not the first time they did a cold opening, even this season, with Cecily Strong portraying Janine Pirro. And I, look, I know Janine Pirro. I've done her show Dozens, if not, you know, hundreds of times over the last, you know, 10 years. I know she's a happy-go-lucky kind of person. I know she doesn't appear that way on TV. I bet you she loved it. I bet you she loved it. And I have a feeling that, you know, the, the, the right wing of this country will not allow people to admit that anymore. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people, a lot of my friends at Fox, whenever they get mentioned on Saturday Night Live or in these comedy shows, they love it. Um... And frankly, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was a great impression, and I thought it was funny. And I, I love the way they brought in Trump like he was on a sports show, put 60 seconds on the clock. I, I, I didn't think it was offensive at all. And if I, you know, if it was me, uh, we would be doing a breakdown line by line right now of my appearance on Saturday Night Live. Just saying. <laughs> no, you'd want to talk the whole program about your appearance yeah. on Saturday Night Live. Uh, uh, Curtis, they they showed a clip of me on Saturday Night Live once fighting with Rudy Giuliani, and uh, I talked about it for like a year. So, so well, that yeah. that I would say is your most memorable appearance of all the many that you've made on the Fox News Channel over the years. I would say that's the one that sticks out in the minds, probably of our listeners and most Americans who watch that because they then ended up playing that multiple times thereafter. Yeah, well, I mean, it's very rare you see a uh, a national figure breaking down on national television, having a mental meltdown on national television just because somebody keeps saying, huh, what, huh, <laughs> jabbing him. 
Well, that will so. that will certainly not happen here. I'm impervious to that. But Chris Hahn, more important. Well, you're also not a national figure. Well, <laughs> so, wait a second. Hold on. You're hold, a New York celebrity, hold, hold, but hold, national. Come hold on, baby. Hold on, Chris. <laughs> Do you think I just exist in New York? Do you know that I have guardian angels all over the country, all over the world, 13 countries, 130 cities? Do you think when I pop up in one of these cities with my red beret, people wonder, oh, valet parking? Yeah, yeah, here. here here's my Benz. Here's my Beamer. Please make sure you take good care of it. You really think that, Chris? They go, I didn't realize they had sateen jackets in France. Like, what is this look going on here? Are <laughs> I mean, you playing shortstop for a French baseball team uh, in they that know, jacket? They know me quite well. They're on Chagardien. <laughs> but it's more important as the chef of the moment with people desperately trying to figure out what the hell they're going to do with their turkey unless they reverted to the old style, the Swanson uh, TV dinners that used to have the turkey, the mashed potatoes, and the fixings. How do yeah. you brine your turkey? Or do you brine your turkey at all? And what with? I, I brine my turkey, but I do have the butcher do the brining for me now. Oh. I used to do it myself, but it's a lot of work. And I found a great butcher locally out here on Long Island. I won't mention them. Uh, but uh, they they do the brining. They do a salted sugar, apple juice brine. It's pretty pretty damn good. Now, now what, what did you use to brine it with? And how long would it generally have taken you, let's say, if you decided not to outsource this or to go down in your neighborhood and find a day worker to do it for you as you pick them up and p- promise to drop them off with $100 in their pocket and a turkey lunch uh, uh, as part of the offering. Well, it's not the time. It's You need space in your refrigerator, right? Or you need to have an ice bucket. You uh, you boil salt and sugar and whatever spices you want to put in it. I used to use, um, I used to use apple cider vinegar and apple cider itself and some other stuff some you know uh just this just a bunch of different spices that go along with turkey sage and things like that you know the only thing and, i ever used uh, apple cider vinegar for heinz apple cider vinegar is when i got a bad case of either poison uh, ivy sunburn or poison oak yeah well you know you you you, you got to boil this stuff up then you got to chill it with ice and when it's cold, you then dunk the turkey, you wash the turkey off, you take everything out of it, and you dunk it in this thing. You leave it in overnight, 24 hours at least. Some people do two days. I think my, my butcher does two days. And what happens then is all that salt and sugar mixture get inside the bird, and it, it makes the bird, when you cook it, just super moist and delicious. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's awesome. Uh, it's, it's an awesome way to have turkey. I think it's the only way to do it. If you ask me now, you know, for a lot of people, they don't like the bird, whatever the bird is that's being served, but they love the stuffing. Do you use the old tried and true stovetop stuffing or do you stuff it with San Francisco's rice or only the San Francisco treat based on your liberal and progressive leanings? <laughs> well, I do not stuff the bird, but I do make stuffing. And I do a cranberry apple stuffing um, with uh, fresh breadcrumbs and other stuff I put in there. What do you do with all the innards? Everything that's inside of that turkey. Don't tell me you discard it. I uh, actually give it to the butcher. I let the butcher take it out. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't I don't need that. You're so, I don't need that much. What life. happened to you, man? <laughs> you would never have made it to a chop. 
What are you going to do? Give it to one of the 17 cats? Like, I don't know. I mean, it's they love disgusting. It. They, they love smell it. these things. That it doesn't, it's not, it's not part of the bird that you want in your life. My God, you know, you're like a dainty chef. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be, trying to be nice I, about it, but you're not like really getting your hands in there, getting real down and dirty with your cooking responsibilities. I, look, man, uh, I've come to a point in my life where I'll pay an extra 20 bucks to have the guy brine it for me. <laughs> you know, it's just worth it. Uh, it's it just, it's worth it. It's worth it to have somebody else do that horrible work for you. Well, boy, typical. Sounds so typical of so many people out in Long Island, Strong Island, where you live, right? You're in Suffolk as opposed to Nassau? I'm way out there in Suffolk County in the woods. Love it. <laughs> anyway, I know. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up at 3.30 in the morning to come sit next to oh, you in Manhattan. Oh, poor guy. You're going to have to schlep here to I, WABC. I you know, I, as you know, Curtis, I am a, you know, my hero in radio is a man named Howard Stern, who I don't know if we're allowed to mention. And for the last 20 years, I've heard him complain about the hours that he works. And uh, I kind of get it. Today, what is that? The guy only bit. works three days a week, right? They're constantly yeah, playing replays. Uh, he, he never goes to the studio. He's always in his house there in the Hamptons. What the hell are you talking about? He can mail well, it. In. Look, look, man. Look, getting up at 5.30 a.m. for a guy like me who has not gotten up at 5.30 a.m. in a very long time, ah. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. Well, it's really, I went to bed at 9.30 last oh, night. I'm going to probably go to bed at oh. 8. The deadbeat, the slacker, the Norduel, Chris Hahn here complaining about how difficult it is to rise and shine in the morning. Anyway, we'll open up our phone lines because the next question I want to ask you has all to do with maybe making or breaking a Thanksgiving dinner, and that's the cranberry sauce. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Yours truly, Curtis Lee and Chris Hahn, substituting for Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg today and tomorrow. Stay entertained and informed now with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Breaking news this morning. We've renamed today Thanksgiving into Franksgiving as his lovely wife, Rachel, delivered a brand new baby as Frank was doing the news hour, which had said Juliet about halfway through. Uh, I had already arrived here, Chris Hahn, uh, ready to do some show prep. I went into the kitchen for five seconds and the guy was like totally out the door on his way out to Staten, <laughs> Italy. Nice. Congratulations, Frankie. That's right. Now, <laughs> just a minute. It's a Thanksgiving baby. You, I always love these it, things. You know, whenever you're born on a holiday, because you can never forget your kid's birthday then. Yeah, you, you never can. Well, it, th this holiday doesn't come every year on the same day. So uh, the kid will be born on Thanksgiving, but he will have Thanksgiving once every uh, seven years, oh. birth, maybe eight years. Oh, what, what a wise Enheimer, because I can tell you, having been in family court, thank God you haven't been there. So many guys get hung up when they actually finally show up and they're asked about their kids' birthdays. Like Michael Strahan, mm. I remember he went through a horrible divorce action with his wife at the time. They were living in uh, northern New Jersey. And he couldn't remember his kids' birthdays on the witness stand. And that's happened to quite a few guys. Yeah, well, it was the happiest day of my life, my child's birth. Second happiest day, I was at the Giants-Patriots uh, Super Bowl game in Indianapolis. Uh, the second time they beat the Patriots. Wait, 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 uh, wait, wait so a second. Wait, wait, wait a second. Okay, happiest day in your life, the birth of your daughter. Got it. Yep. 
second happiest day, because I happened to be there also, was when, again, unexpectedly, the Giants pulled the rabbit out of the hat and beat the Brady Bunch. Uh, the and great Co- Eli Manning. And Coach uh, Belichick uh, on that yep. field in Indianapolis. I was there. Where were you? I was there. Gee, I was there. Did I you have your giant uh, I was garb probably on? probably down on the floor like you, but I was there. Did you have your giant garb on? I, I did indeed. I did indeed. And that was the second greatest day in your life? Oh, my God. I was so happy. <laughs> so. And what was the third greatest day in your life? Well, really, you're starting to get weak here. I, First, I could, I, I could deal. Well, my, wi- my, my wedding day was my wow. third. Wow. <laughs> you better have said that. Holy mackerel. Now, you know, I mean, my wedding cost a little bit more than the Giants game. <laughs> Just a little bit more. That. Not that much more. But if you didn't put that in the top three, you were going to have double trouble today. My wife gets on me every time I say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the daughter number one, I get that. Uh, Giants, Patriots, Indianapolis. Anyway, was, our number is one eight hundred eight four eight. It was a great day to be a Giant fan, and we haven't had that many great days. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I was lucky enough to have been uh, at the uh, original uh, detente in which it seemed like the Patriots were going to be whooping the Giants right outside of Phoenix. When all of a sudden, Manning pulled another rabbit out of the hat with the miracle I, catch. I, I always tell this story. You know, I, I was at a uh, a fundraiser. And I had gotten to know Mike Bossy, the great Islander. Um, and I'm at the, this fundraiser. I'm talking to a guy from the Islanders front office about that game because David Tyree walked into this fundraiser. And we're talking about how Eli Manning will never buy a drink in this town again. Like he's a hero forever after that game, blah, 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 blah. And Mike Bossy starts talking and go, you know, you really got to win more than one. And I start arguing with Mike Bossy. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I realize who I'm arguing with, a guy who won four rings for the great New York Islander teams in the 80s, one of my lifetime heroes, guy who I had a poster on my wall of until I was 15. You do have some anger management issues because I really hate the Islanders. I hate him with a passion, <laughs> pot fan. Uh, who, who is it that beats his wife all the time that we Ranger fans are uh, screaming about nights from? Who is it? Pot fan or nights I don't from? know. Come on, of course you do. I don't want to accuse anybody of beating their wives. <laughs> anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now let's get back to your classic Thanksgiving preparation of your turkey and all of the sidings. The other key is the cranberry sauce. Do you have it or don't you have it? I have it. I feel like I'm the only one who eats it. Um, I buy it at the butcher though. Now I don't make it. Oh, oh, so you don't get just get a can of Ocean Spray, right? I have been getting cans of Ocean Spray, and I always have a couple of cans of Ocean Spray around because for the leftovers. But because uh, I do love cranberry sauce on my turkey, I I ask for it like in diners, like in the middle of the year. I love turkey. Uh, it is literally one of my favorite things to eat. I and we have a lot of wild turkeys around here, and my daughter always laughs at me. I go. Oh, that thing looks delicious. Let's get it. Let me, uh, let me but, tell you, you're not alone out there. You go to Staten Island, right, where Frank Morano has just joined his wife uh, as uh, yep. Rachel has brought a brand-new child into the world for their family. But you go down Forest Avenue. You go down Highland Boulevard. 
There are wild turkeys everywhere. When I first saw them, I jumped out into the street on Highland and Seaview, which is a major thoroughfare, and I played crossing guard, you know, because I thought the turkeys were going to get hit. And all the drivers said, Curtis, don't knock yourself out. They do this every day. They know exactly when to cross and when to return. I first learned of this on Saturday Night Live last weekend. Pete Davidson did a great song, a spoof about Staten Island. It was crazy. Was that with or without Kardashian? No Kardashian, just him and uh, a couple other people. What is it about this guy from Staten Island and all these femme fatales that he seems to attract? He's got the hickey on his neck like he's in high school, like he's at Tottenville High School. Then all of a sudden he's got Kardashian draped all over him. What gives with this guy? He looks like the ultimate nerd. Well, the rumor is, I mean, you heard the rumor, right? No, what's the rumor about this guy? The the, the rumor is that... Um, well, let's just say that um, a certain part of his anatomy is as big as your ego. Oh, so he has big feet and a big schnoz, right? <laughs> there you go. Big feet, big hands, you know. You believe that, huh? I mean, it's got to be that. I mean, what else could it be? He's funny. I mean, you know, he's well, a funny anyway, guy. Well, uh, anyway, when you're concerned about uh, your three-piece set below your navel, Cranberry sauce can be so important. It was probably one of the biggest mistakes out of the many mistakes that I made in my life. I'm going to get into that when we talk about the importance of cranberry sauce, even if you hate it, loathe it, despise it, as I did all throughout my life. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I'm Tom Turkey Day. It's Chris Hahn, my hands across Nassau and Suffolk, to where he's preparing the bird as we speak. Yours truly in the studios at WABC. Bernard McGurk, he's up in the Irish Alps and not far from him. His partner, Sid Rosenberg, who's in the Jewish Himalayas. They're both in the Catskills with their families. They'll be away today. They'll be away tomorrow. So, so nice. WABC is going to have us do it twice. Stay entertained and informed now with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then tonight, it's the great one. Mark Levin at 6. This is the great scandal. On 77 WABC. Go to WABCradio.com now and register for your chance to win a WABC Berry House Coffee mug. Berry House Coffee is proud to be the official coffee. Have a cup of coffee. A Bernie and Sid in the morning on 77 WABC. Register now, and good luck. And on the line, we have Chris Hahn, who's attempting to put together the fixings, and Tom Turkey today for a gathering, a extravaganza, I might add, of 20 people. I don't know if it meets the uh, COVID-19 restrictions way out in Suffolk County, in parts unknown where you live, but uh, you think 20 is tipping it a little bit? Uh, you think it's tipping it, it a little bit, Chris? Close. It, it's getting close, but we don't have any restrictions in Suffolk County. Oh, that's so, right. You know, that's right. I'm not in Manhattan. So I could be in Queens, right right outside of uh, uh, Franklin Square, Long Island, where the rock-ribbed all-American conservative voice of reason uh, was birthed, Sean Hannity. <laughs> And I could be on the Queen side, and I got a show, a Vax passport, and my ID if I just wanted a leftover turkey sandwich and some cranberry juice. But if I go on the Nassau County side or the Suffolk County side, I don't. Could you please explain that to me? Could you, I, 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 is, it, is the air different out there than it is in the five boroughs? 
Well, the air is definitely different out here. <laughs> you know that, Curtis. I mean, I I breathe both sets of air every week. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the air is a lot cleaner and fresher out here, frankly. <laughs> There's a lot more space to move around. But don't, but don't uh, you find you know, that that's... Kind of ridiculous. Let me, let me explain something to you. I, I have a 4,500 square foot house. You have a 300 square foot apartment. I bet we pay about the same. Monthly. Yes, yes, so we do. We do. You're right. But back to I make fun sauce. of your living conditions, but I know you're paying a lot for them. <laughs> you, you are absolutely correct. And even though there were so many empty apartments, remember when the Upper West Siders were fleeing COVID-19, the lockdown, yep. the pandemic, and all the crime. And the drop in the quality of life. 300,000 fled. Uh, the rents did drop. But I told my wife, Nancy, who was cruising the internet every night and said, look at this. We got an apartment right around the block, triple the size of this, and you pay half as much as we do. And we're not moving. Improve, don't move. Because, yeah, you know, I don't that know was. why you didn't do that. Everybody, everybody I know in the city did that. My agent went from a studio to a two bedroom and he saved money. I don't. I don't understand. Oh, why didn't you do that? You have an agent. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, what's I, next? I, a star on the Walk <laughs> of Fame in Hollywood? Yeah, they give a lot of political pundits stars on the water, Walk of Fame. <laughs> a lot of guys who do four <laughs> minutes a week on TV. <laughs> now, back to the cranberry sauce. I keep uh, delaying this because um, it's something I knew I should have done as a little kid. I was over in Howard Beach at my Aunt Mary's house, old Howard Beach, not new Howard Beach, and not the beach that nobody seems to know, Hamilton Beach, where the Irish uh, lived uh, across from new, uh, old Howard Beach. So we'd sit down at the table, and this is an Italian household. So they're like 10 courses, I mean 10 courses, and eventually you get around to the turkey. But my Aunt Mary would always make the cranberry sauce. And my Uncle Steve would, like, just be eating it up, like, just gobbling it up. And I hated cranberry sauce. And I said, Uncle Steve, why are you eating all that cranberry sauce? He goes, it's good for the prostate. You know, it's really good for the prostate. And then, actually, years later, I, re I read that cranberry uh, juice is good. That's why a lot of guys, that's all they do is sip morning, noon, and night cranberry juice. Because it's good for the prostate. It helps you sort of maybe avoid having prostate cancer. So what did I end up getting uh, back in 2012? Stage 4 prostate cancer. Because, as my Aunt Mary was telling me as a five-year-old kid, eat your cranberry sauce, Curtis. My Uncle Steve was telling me, even back then, this is in the 60s, you got to eat the cranberry sauce because it, it, it'll, it'll help your prostate. I had no idea what the hell a prostate was at the age of five. But you see, I right. didn't listen. So today, guys out there, because they're guys always worried about their prostate, you know, they're schlepping back and forth, listening to The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano or Frankie Russo on the weekends because they think they got a tinkle, but they're not tinkling. Could be because of a prostate problem. Eat, I'm telling you, eat cranberry sauce as much as you can, cranberries, drink gallons of cranberry juice. It might actually work. It might actually get work. get it checked. Get it checked. It's one of the most easy things to find and cure. Now, back to your fixings. What about Brussels yes, sprouts? Do you prepare Brussels sprouts? No Brussels sprouts. I really, I do the turkey, the stuffing. I do the mashed potatoes, and I do them very well. You'll, you would enjoy them. Um, they're very buttery. Let's just leave it at that. 
And uh, my wife makes uh, mac and cheese, homemade mac and cheese. And then everybody else brings stuff. We have people bring things. It's great. No, no Brussels sprouts. No roasted Brussels sprouts. That's my favorite. Unless somebody's bringing it, I don't. I don't do it. God, I, I was going to ask you. I do love Brussels sprouts, though. I was going to ask you, uh, Chef Chris Hahn, how do you mitigate <laughs> the sharpness of the Brussels sprouts? Do you drain them? Do you pat them? Do you put it in a salad spinner? Do you boil them? Do you put a dab of that butter that you put all over your mashed potatoes, a dollop of ghee, a splash of extra virgin <laughs> olive oil bacon bits? You blew that routine so, for me. I, I'm sorry. When I do Brussels sprouts... And I'm not doing them today, but I do do them from time to time. The way to really get them to taste good is to, first of all, cut them up and fry them a little bit in a pan, pan fry, a little olive oil, a little butter, right? A little salt, a little pepper. That's it. You're good. They're great. Now Put you, a little blacking on them. Put a little sp- black on them. Speaking of frying, you do know there are some people who fry the turkey. They just fry yes. the whole turkey. Just a cheater. If you ask me, it's cheating. <laughs> Turkey's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a battle. It's like, when do I put it in? When do I take it out? You fry it. You just drop it in for an hour. You're good. It's too, too easy. Thanksgiving's supposed to be a oh, struggle. Hold on a <laughs> second. Hold on. You, you, you've outsourced so much of this. You no longer brine your turkey. You let yeah. the, the, the butcher do that for you. Uh, you no right. longer make the Brussels sprouts, which, let's face it, there's a lot of work involved in that. So you've outsourced most of this, but you're saying it's cheating if you decide to actually just take Tom Turkey and fry the whole damn thing. Yeah, it's cheating. <laughs> Let me open up our phones. one 800 That's 1-800-848-WABC. All right, let me go through a litany of other sides that you might prepare. What about the required sweet potatoes? My sister brings my Swiss. My sister brings those. Oh, so you don't even touch. My sister that. makes a great sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows, like dessert. It's awesome. What about a green bean casserole? Is that a part and parcel of what you serve? Green bean casserole. Somebody is bringing that as well. Somebody's bringing green bean casserole. Do you have the lime green Jello? Jello. No, you do that. Hell no. That's too waspy. Excuse me, you sounded like you have some wasps in your household there. I do. I'll have a few today. And you know what wasps do? But it's mostly Italian because even my sister-in-law married an Italian. They're all we're all kind of Italian, so it's Italian. I know, but you see what wasps do is they actually when they carve the turkey, they give you only X number of slices of the turkey. And then you have to ask no. for, for extras. And then everything is sort of like quarantined out. You know, they have it in boxes. They have it in Tupperware, you know, when they're doing preparations. Everything is meted out. In fact, you go to a typical Wasp's uh, Thanksgiving Day extravaganza, and you're like hungry afterwards. It's not I, like uh, for Italians or Jews. <laughs> it's not like that no, at I all. Do it, I do it buffet style. I do it buffet style. I uh I, I slice up the turkey. I uh, leave it. We, we put it out in the kitchen. Everything's in the kitchen. And uh, people come. They take what they want. And they uh, go back to the dining room or the living room because we oh, got to have two tables. You don't serve and, them uh, at the table. Yeah. Oh, wow. What you say? 
You don't serve yeah. them at the table. This is like Chinese no, buffet. You're going to a Chinese buffet too many joint. People and there's too much stuff, and people could take what they want. Wow, you are you have become a slacker and a deadbeat. I will bet you didn't do that initially when you were serving up your no, turkey. No, I any time I've ever done it, and I've been doing it now like since 2000, since I bought a house, 2001 when I first bought a house. Maybe it was 2002. I can't remember. Um, but I've been doing it now almost 20 years and we've always done it buffet style. It's, it's hard to get everybody, you know, at the table with all the food and all the dishes and cause there's so much stuff. People bring stuff. You gotta just lay it out and let people take what they want. Now, did you get that house with a subprime mortgage? Yes. <laughs> I don't know if it's subprime. I don't know. I got a good deal. I figure you probably took advantage of the subprime mortgage you said were being made available. Secondly, what about the cream spinach? Well, definitely my first house. I was definitely. Oh, there you go. You're, too, you're rethinking that, Chris. Then. Yeah, you're talking like but a politician now. Nobody you're rethinking it. Nobody me a loan for the second house, I think. So. All right. Let's get back to the food. What about the cream spinach? If I show up at the Han household, that. am I getting cream spinach? No, I mean, if somebody brings it, somebody's got to bring it. I'm telling you, I, I do the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the stuffing, corn. All right, is it garlic mac mashed cheese. potatoes? Is it garlic mashed potatoes? We don't do garlic mash on Thanksgiving. That's more of a Christmas thing. Now, wait a second. You claim to be Italian. You're going to have some Jewish people over, right? A one one Jew, my dad. <laughs> That's it. And you don't have garlic. My, my daughter's a my daughter's a quarter Jewish, not too shabby. <laughs> now, what about for those who have decided to go the route of either being vegans or vegetarians? Do you have a vegetarian mushroom Wellington available for them? The vegetarians could eat the mac and cheese, the mashed potatoes, <laughs> the stuffing, everything but the turkey. <laughs> so. God, I, I got to tell you, it's it's pretty damn disappointing what you've uh, served up. Now, the classic, because you know that Thanksgiving Day is not a cake day. It's not a Betty Crocker day. It is a pie day. It is, it is a, pie. a pie day. So at the Han household, is it one pie or multiple pies that are offered? There will be multiple, multiple pies. Apple, pumpkin, blueberry. Hmm. Apple and we, I also got this thing called mango bread. You know what that is? Mango bread. No, no. What is it's mango a, bread? It, it's like a big biscotti, and they make it at the bakery here. Oh, biscuit. So it's it, like biscuit. It's it's not quite biscotti, but it tastes. It's it's a chocolate. Think of it as a chocolate biscotti, but a, but softer. It's only baked once. Yeah, biscotti but I, I thought twice. for sure at the Han household there would be a little vanilla cream brulee. No, no, no. Come on, man. You think me too fancy. I'm man. not fancy. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my office right now that it hasn't been unpacked since I moved into this house six years ago. I'm not a fancy guy. Now, have you ever served sweet potato pie instead of pumpkin pie and fooled everybody in the room because they can't tell the difference between either one? I have not. I live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't even have pecan pie? I have had pecan pie in the past, and somebody might bring a pecan pie. That, that comes once in a while. It shows up once in a what while. What about the lemon meringue? The most difficult thing that my mother ever had to make was the meringue. It so my father-in-law, unfortunately, lemon. my father-in-law won't be here, but he, he's there living in Florida now. 
But when he was here, we would always have lemon meringue pie because he loved lemon meringue pie. Uh, well, let me give the numbers out. 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. As I pick the carcass of what uh, Chris Hahn promises will be his Tom Turkey delight that he serves up to 20 guests out somewhere in parts unknown in Suffolk County. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. And we're back. That's right. Chris Hahn, somewhere in parts unknown out in Suffolk County, preparing the Thanksgiving Day meal, being the Maytag of the house. Yours truly in the house of WABC in the studio, substituting for Bernard McGurk, who's in the Irish Alps. And Sid Rosenberg, his partner, who's in the Jewish Himalayas. They're both in the Catskills with their families, enjoying, the, uh, enjoying Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be doing it again tomorrow. And that's when I want to find out if Chris Hahn, who was the chef extraordinaire in the first hour, telling us how you're going to do all your preps, uh, prep for the uh, Tom Turkey, if uh, there was actually a snapping of the wishing bone or you let it dry out a little bit and then you have a tussle with it over the weekend. Oh, there will be a snap. The kids get to, to do the wishbone, man. I don't do the wishbone. Never did? Kids. Well, I did it when I was a kid. It's not, you know, it goes to the kids. Did it, it, go to, did it, actually, do did it. it actually work out for you, Chris? Well, here I am getting up at 5 a.m. to talk to you. <laughs> Don't tell me that you were like, wishing. Oh, wait a minute. That guy in the red beret I used to see on the uh, 7 o'clock news after I watched the Muppet Show when I was five years old is now my radio partner. Oh, my God. The wishbone. It worked. Thank God. Well, Hallelujah. Yeah, that was the uh, norm for a while there. Remember in college football, everybody wanted to use the wishbone attack, hand it off, hand it off. You had like three backs back there. It was all wishbone yep. all the time. Now, no, you run the option out right, of the wishbone. I, I don't really see that in college football as much as I used to. When I played for the University of Albany, we, we ran the, the wishbone. Bone Sweet Bone was on our T-shirt. Wait a second. You actually played uh, touch football, flag football for the University of Albany? No, I played college football for the University of Albany. I was a place kicker, but I was on whoa, the whoa. team, my brother. Wait, 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 wait. You were the place kicker? You know, you were like the Pete Gogolak uh, of your generation up there. That's all you did was just kick and sit <laughs> on the bench? And Raul go- Alegre, uh, the great giant kicker. Morton Anderson, the great uh, kicker for the New Orleans Saints, who was one of my heroes when I was a kicker. I, look, I, I played soccer till I was in 11th grade, and then in 12th grade, in 11th grade, I decided I wanted to buy a car, uh, and I stopped playing soccer at school anyway to get a job so I could buy a car, and I wanted to come back in my senior year, and the coach was like, hey, I don't know if you're going to play. I don't know what's going to happen. You took a year off. The football coach overhears this conversation, says, hey, you think you can kick a field goal? I said, yeah, I think I can kick a field goal. He's like, meet me on the meet me on the field at 3 o'clock. Met him on the field, kicked the field goal, got recruited by a bunch of colleges and played college football. Now, wait a second. What was the longest field goal you ever attempted and the longest field goal that you were ever successful at getting through the uprights? 45 yards in a game. Um, was the longest I've ever made. I don't think I did anything further than that. Wow! And in in high school, when you kicked off a block, 
in practice, I kicked 160 yards. But Whoa. in college, you kick off the grass, which is considerably harder. Now, hold on a second. Block. You were roided up in high school. 60 yards. No, I, well, in a practice, it wasn't like a live rush or anything, but I was able to boot it through 60 yards. Good good gale force wind behind me, I might add. Now, tell me, but, Chris Hahn, that uh, you were really macho by kicking barefooted. No, I was not. I worry. I worry. Soccer cleat. And obviously, not like uh, Lou Groza, you actually decided to sidewind soccer style. I was a soccer style kicker for sure, without a doubt. It's incredible. Wow, we're learning so much about Chris Hahn today. University well, of Albany. <laughs> I thought for sure, you know, it was uh, flag football, touch football, no contact football. And now I find out that you actually played what is real football, smash mouth American football. Smash mouth American football. And, yet, and then it, I played it, in this prison league when I got out of college. <laughs> um, I call it a prison league because it was just crazy. Uh, you know, my, one of my coaches was the quarterback of this team. It was like a regional semi-pro league that you didn't get paid. They called it semi-pro. You didn't get paid. Um, and it was a lot of guys who didn't go to college, frankly. And some guys like me who got out of college wanted to, to strap on the pads one more time. Well, they couldn't go to college. They were, four game. they were on par- uh, parole. It, uh, some of them. There was a fight at every game. Uh, we played in Forest Hills and Bayside. We, we, we were at the Suffolk County Falcons. Uh, but we would play teams from the city, Staten Island, Bayside, Forest Hills, a couple of the a team in the Bronx. Always a fight. Four games in, uh, my coach, who was the quarterback of the team, guy who coached me in high school, um, is scrambling. He gets nailed, broken leg. I'm like, you know what? I think my days of playing full contact football are over. Wow. Literally followed the ambulance out and I was done. I have respect for you because even though you were playing that fake, phony, fraudulent football spelled with a U, soccer, you actually were a kicker on the football team at the University of Albany that I never knew even had a football team. I'm telling you, you're not quite five star top shelf yet, but you've risen. You've risen a little bit here. (laughs) They have a great football team. In fact, they won their division this year. So is that Division Eleven or Ten? <laughs> well, they're they're a Division One team, but not a top tier Division One. They're, but other they're than, in a lower level, conference. other than kicking 1A, off, I think. right? Other than kicking off points after uh, touchdown and actually uh, field goals, did they ever actually put you out on the field? Like you know, when the, when somebody was returning the kick, did you actually ever smash your pads into that person? I, I in my entire career in college, I think I had about eleven tackles. Wow, that's pretty so, damn good. I was a ma- Curtis. I was a light like you. I was a maniac as a kid. Um, you know, I played football, but I also played hockey. I played rugby in the spring. Um, you know, I, I loved sport. I loved to compete. Right, it's probably why I got attracted to politics in my life because it's a lifetime competition. Well, no, no. Now, now that I think, the last time I saw you on Fox News Channel, you did have that schnoz that was bent a little bit and the cauliflower ears from playing rugby. <laughs> that has nothing to do with rugby. That's just the way the way I look, man. It sucks. You know? I mean, nobody's. This is why I'm. This is why I'm trying to move into radio. Right, I've got a face for radio. <laughs> Well, anyway, nobody, we, nobody can tell. It's theater of the mind. I sound attractive. 
So. Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. We'll leave that to our listeners if they'd like to weigh in on that. Does Chris Hahn sound attractive? Does he <laughs> sound like he's GQ? 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. We started out today at 6 o'clock uh, with the great news that it's uh, Frank'sgiving Day. And what we mean by Thanksgiving Day is that his wife, Rachel, delivered their first child into the world while he was in the middle of doing the 5 o'clock news update with Jet Set Juliet. And then he jetted right out of here, uh, sped through every speed camera between here and Tottenville on the south shore of Staten Island, uh, is at her side, and the baby is doing well, the mother is doing well, and Frank, he's saying, oh, my God, now what am I going to do? I got a kid. <laughs> You know, your whole life changes. Am I right, Chris? Tell me about it. The best day of his life. Congratulations, Frank. And let's call it Rachel's Giving Day because, you know, Frank's not giving anything. Rachel's the one giving. That, that's true. He only uh, he only volunteered uh, his stuff into that Petri dish. His, his, his Giving Day was nine months ago. So <laughs> she, she's giving today. But now, would you say that that is the high? Because you said that was the top moment of your life, the birth of your daughter. Was everything yep. downhill after that? No, no. Man. Well, what I mean is no, just, it doesn't meet the, that, that same euphoric sense. Now you have responsibilities. You're raising a kid with your wife. Uh, you've never done it before. It's your first child, right? It's not like Well, you, I have a stepdaughter who's in her 20s. But, oh, uh, okay. But, so I have been through this before, and uh, I love it. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for world. You know, last weekend when I was in the studio, I told you I'd come up from South Jersey. We were at a soccer tournament. I love going to those things with my girl. She's a great student. Both of them were great students. Um, and, uh, you know, it's look, I, there's nothing better in this world to me than uh, than having children and raising children and being responsible for them and watching them grow. And they grow. So, I mean, it's like a blink of the eye. I mean, I, to me, she was born 14 years ago. And it was. It feels like yesterday. God, it's sounds, actually 15. Sound, 15. It sounds to me like you're a guy who takes advantage of all those uh, child tax credits that the government gives out for having kids. I don't think I qualify for much of oh, those things, Curtis. Oh, but, you, know, you make the big I mean, bucks, huh? Well, I don't make enough to take a year off to run for mayor like some people did. <laughs> Wasn't but, quite uh, a year. Okay. Wasn't quite so, a year. It must be something to be able to take a whole year off. To go chase a windmill, mill, Don Quixote. Well, thank God. Thank God my wife. I couldn't afford that. Thank God my wife, Nancy, is an e-attorney and uh, could subsidize our 328-square-foot apartment and, most importantly, the eating habits of our 17 rescue cats. Right. <laughs> but speaking of kids, I was with my son, Anthony, my oldest son, last night. He's 17. And guess what? He's talking to me about how he wants a new Dodge Charger, not a used one, a new Dodge Charger. So I told him, go out and get a paper route. And then I realized they don't let kids deliver newspapers anymore. Not even the penny savers. It's like, why? What happened? What happened? What happened to our world? It used to be boys and girls, if they wanted some uh, extra scatol, some extra coin, would get a paper route. Whether it was the weekly paper in the neighborhood, whether it was the daily paper, the afternoon paper, the penny saver, uh, delivering coupons, whatever it was, there would be something for them to do 
And now I'm told time and time, no, no, sorry, we can't use kids. Well, what do you, what do you define as a kid? Anyone under 18? I said, my, you know, my son wants a brand new Dodge Charger. First off, with all the, with all the delays, uh, with parts and computer chips, it would take like two years if you ordered now a, a Dodge Charger all souped up, you know, all tricked out before you'd actually get the product delivered. But he insists it's got to be a brand new Dodge Charger. I feel I got a problem coming down the pipe with this. I think you do. <laughs> Dodge Charger. What on her mind? You're killing I, me, I, kid. I, it's a great car. Great car. And paper routes are great activities. I had one. Well, I'm telling you, uh, uh, I will be doing a podcast here at WABC. Everybody's going to be doing a podcast. And this will this one will be a father and son, it'll be yours truly, Curtis Lee, and my son, Anthony, who interns here, will be doing one podcast a week. Uh, and I think this will sort of compare my generation, which is like, what can we call it? Um, I'm 67, right? I passed AARP a month of Sundays ago. I'm I mean, now- you're telling people you're 67. What but are you really? I, mean, I am. I am 67. I am. Man. 67's your TV age, right? No, 67. And then naturally my wife, who many people, like yesterday when I was uh, outside. She's like, she's like 23. Yep. So they were blowing up the balloons. I'm going to get to that momentarily and the craziness that ensued with that. Uh, but people were coming up and saying, gee, what is it like to have Curtis Sliwa as as your father? <laughs> And she had to keep explaining, no, I'm his wife. And they were saying, wow, I thought I thought you were his daughter and this gentleman here was his son. And she'd say, no, Anthony is his son. I'm his wife, Nancy. It's a little That's embarrassing, crazy. don't you think? I mean, you love it. You lo- It's embarrassing for her. <laughs> I mean, you're like, hey, look at me, man. Got a 23-year-old wife. Well, let's open up our phone lines here, Chris Hahn, 1-800-848-9222, as we substitute for the boys today and tomorrow. Let's go to Carol, our first caller in the morning, calling from New Jersey. Oh. Hi there, Curtis. You know, you made a comment about jello be- green jello being too waspy. Yeah, mold, mold. They, they have it in a little mold, and they put it on your plate. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm half Catholic and half Protestant. We never had jello. On Thanksgiving, my father used to buy a pumpkin pie. He used to go to the bakery and buy a pumpkin pie and an apple pie. No jello. I am telling you, I have been in some wasp households where they consider that a delicacy. Green mold jello, and they put it right on your plate as if it's right next to the entree. Not me. I love Brussels sprouts. And you know what I love? Cranberry, real cranberry sauce, too, not that jelly stuff in the can. Oh, ocean uh, spray, mix- right? <laughs> I like the real cranberries and mix it with stuffing, and I think it's fantastic, actually. Now, if Chris Hahn were to invite you to come out to his palazzo t- today, palazzo, uh, you'd be number 21. Would you actually come out there, Carol, and be his guest? I think he lives a little too far away from me because I live in New Jersey. So, <laughs> see, she's being my very Jersey polite. relatives are not coming. They're not. They're like, we don't want to drive today. I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, if I could travel out there, of course I would. <laughs> wow, you see, I love you, Carol. You're developing you. friends here at WABC, Chris. Look, I love mm-hmm. everybody. No matter what they, you know. Look, I enjoy the listeners. I appreciate. 
that we might not all agree all the time, but that's life. We're Americans. It's agree to disagree and love each other. Let's say it with love. And then square off over the uh, wishbone. Wishing, exactly. wishing which political party will win the midterm elections and then the big prize, the next presidential election. Anyway, our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. When we come back, I got to explain the craziness that went on when they were pumping up those balloons for the annual Thanksgiving Day Parade, which will be taking place all morning long. It was a mind bender. In the morning, then tonight, it's the great one. Mark Levin at 6. This is the great scandal. On 77 WABC. We're back, substituting for the boys today. Bernard McGurk, who's up in the um, Irish Alps. Uh, and his partner, Sid Rosenberg, is in the Jewish Himalayas, both in the Catskills with their families. They're gone today for the holiday. And uh, tomorrow, so so nice. Uh, the suits here, the mockers, the muckety mucks have decided to pair us together twice. It's Chris Hahn, chef extraordinaire of the day, somewhere in parts unknown in Suffolk County as he's preparing the big bird, the Maytag that he is. And yours truly, Curtis Lee, in the big house here at WABC. Chris, have you put Tom Turkey uh, in the oven yet? No, no, no. Next hour, maybe like nine o'clock, I got to put it in. You know, eight o'clock, maybe I'll go down there and take it out of the fridge, let it get to room temperature. Eight thirty, I'll turn the oven on, and then when we have one of these long, boring Bill O'Reilly breaks, uh, I'll go take it. That great delivery. I mean, fellow Long uh, Islander. Bill O'Reilly is 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 proof positive that it wasn't his talent or the talent of the guy there now that drove the ratings. It is the real estate that he occupied. I mean, I listened to that just now, and I was like, I mean, it's horrible and wrong, and uh, he will call Joe Biden a socialist at the same breath. He's saying that the market problems are Joe Biden's no, fault, no, but okay. I, I, I don't think he can be and a socialist. And the delivery, Curtis, the delivery um, – I, I don't, I don't want to – it's Thanksgiving. I don't want to get into it. Exactly. Well, we'll talk about it later. The socialist president uh, uh, actually enjoying Thanksgiving with the billionaire investor in Nantucket, which seems to be as, the as new hotspot. I'm surprised you're not in Nantucket with your liberal progressive uh, standings in the community. But anyway, you're out there in parts unknown somewhere in Suffolk. When you were growing up in your family – did your family ever schlep in for the annual Thanksgiving Day Parade? No, we did not. I did it once as uh, an adult, but I, I have never did it as a child. Okay, we would watch it. It is, and- it is my belief, Chris, that there are some things that those who've grown up in the five boroughs never do. That is, go to the annual Thanksgiving Day Parade. It seems to be for the out-of-towners, and that includes people who live in the tri-state area. When the ball drops on New Year's Day. You almost never find someone from the five boroughs there unless they're paid to be there. The Circle Line crews around Manhattan, they're only there if they're taking visiting relatives or guests. The Statue of Liberty, most folks in the five boroughs have never been to the Statue of Liberty. And believe it or not, the Empire State Building, because they're not willing to pay money to go up there. They could go to other buildings that are almost as tall. Would you agree with that, Chris? I I agree. I've never been to the Statue of Liberty. I've been by it on the Staten Island Ferry, but I've never been to it. Exactly. Uh, I I have been to the top of the Empire State Building when I was a child. Were there ants up there? 
Well, everybody looked like an ant. That was the whole point. <laughs> well, everybody let me look like an ant. Let me take you to yesterday's blowing up of the balloons. There were special rules and regulations because of COVID nineteen that made no sense to me. So they started at twelve noon to six. So I took Anthony, my oldest son, there, and Nancy, who many people think is my daughter. Right. So we were on the corner of... You brought the kids to see the balloons. Got it. (laughs) We were on the corner of 77th and Columbus, right opposite the Museum of Natural History. Now, if you wanted to go east towards Central Park West and Central Park, you had to show a vaccine passport. If you went west, you didn't have to show anything at all. Now, what didn't make sense is they were afraid that there'd be so many people together, even though it was outdoors, that this would be a spreader event. Meantime, there's everybody who's on the west side of Columbus staring as they're pumping up the balloons, all crunched together in what was probably a greater spreader event than in the actual area that they were pumping up the balloons. Could you explain to me in your Dr. Fauci style why if you were on one side of Columbus, you had to show a vaccine passport outdoors, while if you were on the other side of Columbus Avenue observing the balloons being uh, inflated, you didn't have I, to show a vaccine passport at all? I don't get it. I, You know, look, there'll be a new mayor in a couple of weeks. I think we'll all be better off. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> So you don't want to give me a Dr. Fauci I mean, what is the explanation? Out? What is the explanation well, for that? I want right? to ask you people. Close it all down or don't don't close any of it down. I, I mean, it's I, outdoors. I want to ask our listeners because maybe there is some scientific or medical rationale, or you may have been some of the workers who are either employed by Macy's, who obviously hosts a parade every year, or you were one of the many cops or sanitation workers or other city workers who were assigned to that area that may have seen me standing there. Wondering why I had to show a Vax passport in order to cross the street. And by the way, New York has done tremendous in getting people vaccinated. We are, you know, up in the 80 percentile rate of people being vaccinated now in the city of New York. So, you know, it's it's a good chance. I mean, obviously, tourists, we don't know. But if you got here, it's a good chance you're vaccinated. Well, let's find out. Uh, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And find out if any of you uh, actually looked forward to coming down, to stand hours on end, freezing it took us off, while kids were screaming in your ears as you were craning your neck to look at the balloons, having to take a Bengay bath when you got home before you had Tom Turkey. And I'm going to tell you of a special time where I was yelled at by Brooke Shields on Thanksgiving Day. This is Bernie and Sid in the Morning on 77 WABC. So we're back. Chris Hahn, who is chef extraordinaire today in parts unknown somewhere in Suffolk County, hasn't put the bird into uh, the oven yet, but he is... You're doubting the bird, meaning you're you're all over the bird, right? You're you, you, you're looking at it, you're, you're smacking it around, you're giving it a masushi. Uh, you have any special special tricks as Chef uh, Chris Hahn today? Uh, the bird, you just you know you have to. You, butter is always the trick of the chef, right? Butter and salt, those what? are the two things that make everything work. Well, what about if you have high blood pressure? Are you going to cause problems for some of your 20-odd visitors by causing their blood pressure to skyrocket because you got Morton salt all over your bird? Hey, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it, it's got to taste good. 
What about uh, your I dad? Really does, doesn't your dad demand kosher salt since he's Jewish? <laughs> my dad, uh, well, my dad is Jewish. Uh, he is not exactly a practicing Jew. Oh, so, oh, so he's a, a BLT Jew, huh? Bacon, lettuce, and he, tomato. I don't even. Exactly. He's wrapped that turkey in bacon, Chris. All right. So we got that. My dad, who, by the way, is um, is is uh, is the same age as you, my brother. (laughs) Sixty seven. You mean I could be your daddy? You could. (laughs) God, that would be a nightmare. It would be horrible. Let's talk about uh, my. I mean, I'd be living in a 300 square foot apartment with. 17 cats. <laughs> well, no. You see, all three of my sons live with their mothers because, as you know, I have had a very, um, let's call it interesting uh, family situation with my many wives over the years. So, let and me, non-wives. That's true. But let me take you yes. back to the time I was doing morning radio with your colleague in solidarity on the left, Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie. And my wife at the time, Mary, who used to be a sales manager at Kiss and then was the salesperson who ran the Yankee account here at WABC when we had the Yankees on the air. I ended up meeting. seats. Right. I married and Anthony uh, was our son, still is. But she has since married Governor David Patterson that you often hear on WABC. So I don't know how to refer to him. Is he my brother-in-law? Is he? What do I call him? I now guess that, you call him your brother husband. I don't know. Yeah, that, I like that. <laughs> My brother husband. Anyway, he's doing a great your brother job. Husband. Great job as stepfather for Anthony, as his mother does in raising him. But there was a time that Mary turned to me when we were married and she said, Anthony wants to go to the Thanksgiving Day parade. And I'm like, no, you gotta be kidding. Nobody who grows up in the five worlds wants to do that. He, he has asked no. only one thing of his father, and that's that you take him to the Thanksgiving Day parade. But I had a perfect opt out because I was doing morning six to 10. The parade is already underway. I said, probably isn't going to work out. We'll be way back. You know, we'll be in the nosebleed section. We won't see anything. Maybe we'll see the tip of a balloon. She goes, I have that figured out. A friend of mine has an apartment on Central Park West, which oversees uh, the route of the parade south of West 77th Street. And they said that you and Anthony can come up there and I'll be I'll be there earlier. uh, So we'll be nice and set when you finish the show. So I go up there and it turns out Anthony has no interest in watching the balloons go by. He wants to body surf down the rail of the marble steps so we're like on the sixth floor and he's body surfing down and i'm cheering him on as any father would be yeah do it that's right anthony do a belly flop there and all of a sudden he gets on the railing the brass railing and he loses grip and he's really sliding now and he's down on the marble stairs going and he falls at the heels of brooke shields who's coming up the steps and I'd known Brooke because her and her mother were early supporters of the Guardian Angels, and she was in a horror. She goes, Curtis, what kind of a father are you? Look at your son. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, I'm getting screamed out by Brooke Shields. The crowd is coming out of their apartments because, obviously, the apartments are packed. Everybody wants to be there uh, in nice, uh, warm, and comfy locations to watch the balloons passing. It was one of the most embarrassing moments of my very embarrassed life. You see, you heard it first here on WABC. 
I that is a story I've never heard. Uh, you know what? You could be you could be yelled at by worse people. You know. <laughs> anyway, let's go to the phones on numbers. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-WABC. Let's go to Larry, who's been uh, holding on line in the Bronx. Uh, welcome to WABC on this Thanksgiving Day, uh, Larry. Uh, thank you, Curtis. Happy and healthy Thanksgiving to you and the family. All the best. And I had a question. Uh, we're both about the same age. As a kid growing up, I'm going out um, uh, Sicilian. And going out to, say, Aunt Rose's house or a Jean's house, and if you were under 15, you had to sit at the kids' table. That was number one. But the hello? Yes. Yes, no, you're absolutely right, Larry. There was the kids' table at the side while the adults were busy playing cards after the 10-course meal and smoking every conceivable (laughs) cigarette in the world. Oh, my uncles used to smoke what we called the... Sorry, the expression, but the guinea stinkers, and it, it was terrible. I used to have to go outside with my cousins. But in any event, the the thing that I called about the uh, menu that your, your your partner gave, we used to start with cold antipasta, then some sausage uh, and brazole, and maybe some meatballs, then the pasta, and then maybe if anybody was still standing or didn't fall asleep, then the turkey, and the salad. I didn't get it till I was older. In the Italian family, the salad was always last, but they said it helped you to digest. Is that correct in your opinion? Uh, let me ask you a question first about when they would serve the brajol. You know what brajol is? Yeah, it, it was roast beef wrapped. They used to tie it with a string. Uh, no, you got conned. You got conned. A brajol <laughs> is made out of horse meat. Italians meet, oh, eat sure. more horse meat than any other nation in the world, and that's what the brajolas, that's why they have the little toothpicks in there with the little strings attached to it. Remember how you got served your brajol, Larry? Yeah, yeah, with, with, with string, but I, I, I didn't know what the hell I was eating. I was six, seven, eight years old. I just, you know, and sometimes they used to put an egg in it, right? You were eating a freaky mukavad, a horse. Oh, my God. Yeah, see? Now, today, right, this weekend, you better go to church, and you better go to the confession, (laughs) and you better confess to the priest that you were eating horse meat. You better go to the track. That's right. You better go to the track and bet on number seven. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Let me ask you, was that legal back in those times in the early 60s for them to sell horse meat to people to make that stuff? Hey, look, I worked in a butcher shop for my uncle Jimmy Scavone. You really think they told the customers what they were getting? Come on. Come on, Larry. Come on, Larry. I remember I used to be the gut buster. I would make the sausages, uh, Chris. So I'd have to go in the freezer, you know, put my coat on. And my Uncle Jimmy Scavone would say, hey, kid, one down. You're putting too much meat, too much veal in. That's expensive. More pork. More pork. You got to be a good sausage stuffer. They say you don't want to see sausage being made. You don't want to see Curtis making sausage. Ooh, sausage. And the spices. Remember, there's an art to that, making ooh, sausage. You got to put the right kind of spices in it. But a lot of Italians have no idea. That when their 10-course meal comes out and they have the brajol with the toothpicks in it and it looks very fancy because it's got the little the little string on it, that that's actually horse meat. Stick it a few times with the toothpick and you'll hear. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that. No brajol this year. No, no brajol. No brajol. 
please, no horse meat. I'm making fresh guac. That's my uh, appetizer. I'll make guacamole. Guacamole? For for Thanksgiving? I, I love it. It's like one of my favorite things. And I think what Larry was mentioning is uh, at the end you have that fanook. First of all, we're watching five football games today, right? So you might as well have some guac out and some chips. All right, so now let's talk the traditional football game when they only had one football game on Thanksgiving. It was always at Detroit Lions Stadium, which served as Tiger Stadium in southwest Detroit. And the Detroit Lions would always be pay- playing Bart Starr uh, and the Green Bay Packers. And inevitably, they won, which was amazing because at that time, the Green Bay Packers were the world champions, at least in the NFL, before there was a Super Bowl in the merging of the AFL and NFL. You would watch the Detroit, the Detroit Lions play the Green Bay Packers. And now, look at what's on the football menu for all the degenerate gamblers out there. Yeah, there's three games today. So, so what there's the, you, there's what, the uh, what are you betting? I don't bet. Oh, c- come on! Most people watch football because they bet. If there wasn't no, betting, I, attached I play to fantasy foot- football. But I, I I play fantasy football, but I don't bet on football. I just I you know never I don't like. I'm not a gambler. It's not my thing. Wow. Somehow I, I have one vice, Curtis. I have one vice. What's that? It's ice cream. Ice cream. I'm an ice cream aholic. So I can't you, give it up. I can't you shake it. Boycotting Ben and Jerry's ice cream, uh, Chris Hahn? Absolutely not. I am <laughs> not boycotting Ben and Jerry's ice cream. In fact, I quarantined with Ben and Jerry, and that's why I gained so much weight. <laughs> Are you wearing a kaffia in support as you are eating your various liberal progressive flavors created in Vermont by? I think they're originally from Brooklyn. Am I correct? Ben and Jerry. They are from Brooklyn, and they moved to Vermont. So, and, so let, uh, let's see this. Let's see that we have Ben and Jerry. We're from Brooklyn, right? We have the yeah. Altacaca. Uh, who ran for president twice, Burn Baby Burn, that my wife uh, Nancy adores. She's a Bernie Sanders fan. He's from Brooklyn. Amazing. I met him up at the University of Vermont long ago. I was giving a presentation there, and he was the congressman from Vermont. They only have one congressperson. And we had a long talk for about an hour, two Brooklyn guys uh, just talking about all the ways that he grew up a socialist. You know, he's not even a Democrat now. He's not registered as a Democrat. Could you explain no, to me he's an independent. how it is he got involved in a Democratic primary to become president of the United States when he has never, ever, ever, even to this day, registered as a Democrat? How did that happen? That's why he lost, ultimately, right? I mean, that and some of his policies. But ultimately... You know, you're trying to crash the party, and I guess it worked with Republicans because the Democrat Donald Trump won their primary. Uh, but yeah, it but was, he was a registered it, it a, Republican. He was a registered Republican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Bernie actually registered as a Democrat for a little while. No, the first time he ran for president. No, I do not believe that. In fact, we need to go to a Washington Post for you fact checker, uh, and we'll go to a New York Post for me fact checker. To see if, in fact, I am correct or you are correct on that. I do not believe I, yeah. that Bernie the Alpacaca Sanders. But I do. I remember the question being asked of him uh, in one of the debates if he would be registering as a Democrat. Can and we? Can I we do? Said can we? Yes. Do, can we do some fact checking? Because remember, he is a graduate of Madison High School, which is also the Chuck. place that re, uh, that produced uh, your mentor, your Svengali, Chuck Schumer. 
Yep. And cousin Brucey, the best who have graduated from Madison High School. And uh, former Chief Justice uh, herself, who is no longer with us, who is dearly departed. You like yep. that? You like that trivia, huh? It's a very good uh, high school. <laughs> there, they also re- produced a Republican uh, Senator, Norm Coleman, went there as well. That's right, who is related to our own Sid Rosenberg. Did you know that? I did not know that. See, you're learning something every day. But meantime, every single day you learn something. I'm going to give the numbers every out, single day. and I want you to do the fact check on Bernie the Altacaca Sanders. I believe he has never been registered as a Democrat. One eight hundred eight four eight eight two 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 nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight W. No, the boys are not here today. They're away, as they will be away tomorrow with their families. That means it's Chris Hahn, chef extraordinaire from uh, Parts Unknown in Suffolk County, joining me in the house of WABC, yours truly, Curtis Lewa. And, uh, Chris, uh, I want to appeal to your Italian part, because you do have Italian in you, right? I'm half Sicilian. Okay, have you ever served, because you are the chef who prepares the meal for 20 or more people, where there are no restrictions uh, in Suffolk County, unlike so many other parts of our country which have restrictions because of COVID-19. Have you ever served the hand grenades, better known as the uh, artichokes? uh, I have not. I, I, I can't make those. What? I don't know how to make them. Well, you know, there is an art to making an artichoke. It's an Italian. I also don't I don't get it. Like I I don't get the artichoke. You know, I, I like a nice artichoke dip, but I don't get the just, you know, grilled artichoke. I don't get it. Well, possibly there will be our listeners who can uh, aid and abet you in that. And naturally when you have uh, your pies out, you have to have the Italian pastries, especially the one that confuses and confounds everyone the struyadel that looks like a clam the struyadel mm. did, did you ever have those for your thanksgiving i do i have those i have cannoli okay. I, I i'm a big italian pastry all fan. right all right well let's uh on that note let's go to salvatore who's calling from brooklyn welcome to chris han uh chef extraordinaire with yours truly curtis lewis sal hey happy uh, thanksgiving to all Hey, Curtis, Happy Thanksgiving. Got, you know, hey, Chris, you making a turkey out there? I am. You didn't uh, get that turkey in Staten Island, did you? I did not, no. Because they're roaming all over the place out there. Curtis, you see them all over the place? Forest Avenue, Highland Boulevard. I have actually tried to escort them across the street, and people in Staten, Italy tell me, Curtis, they don't need a crossing guard. They they go across the streets all the time. Don't worry about it. They know what they're doing. No, they're, they're everywhere, if a friend of mine told me. I, actually, they, I saw a bunch the other day walking across. This is, this is like a bad thing to do. They walked across some Italian guy's lawn, and uh, I don't know. I have a funny feeling that about 15 out of 20 of those turkeys ain't going to be seen again. <laughs> well, what is that? Chris, you have them out there in, in Suffolk County, right? They're everywhere out here. Turkeys are everywhere out here. Are they edible as wild turkeys? Could they have been I, prepared? I have, not, I have not ever tried to, to, to capture one. Uh, but every time I see them, I think maybe I should try to catch that and eat it. 
<laughs> See how it goes. Hey, you know, Chris. Hey, Chris, can I ask you a question? You can. I mean, uh, I, don't, I just had to look you up, you know, see what you look like, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, you don't go, you don't go look like much of a football player. <laughs> well, I'm I'm, I'm mean, older now. <laughs> so. I mean, I'm older than you. I, I, I used to box when I was young. I didn't play football. I mean, if you looked at me, you'd say this guy might have might have boxed before, you know. But, I was a place uh, kicker, you, man. I say, you know, uh, I say, <laughs> were you the placeholder, Chris? Or the place yeah, kicker. Like placeholder. I was the place kicker. <laughs> so. the place kicker yeah, Bit of a placeholder, uh, but the place kicker. Man, he just uh, took you out there, Chris. You, you didn't get that, did you? I mean, his delivery was just like Bill O'Reilly's. I mean, if we put him on at 8 o'clock at Fox, he'd probably be number one, too. I'm just saying. <laughs> just, just saying. I mean, it's, it's, I think they, I think like that Bill O'Reilly read, they said, you got to do two minutes. And he had like a minute and a half of material. So he just did, uh, uh, and, uh. <laughs> Are you disparaging Sorry. Italians, uh, this morning here, Chris? Uh, you know, a lot, I we got a lot of Italian American listeners here. Uh, come on, Chris. Wake <laughs> hey, up. Man, I'm Italian American myself. When so, you want to be. There you go. When you want to be. Anyway, uh, let's uh, go to, I, go ahead. I identify primarily. As an Italian American, you don't strike me as an Italian American, Chris. You strike well, me as a, you know. a spudhead, as if you're an <laughs> Irish guy. Yeah. Now, <laughs> hey, look, it's the look. It's the look. Anyway, let's go to Peter, who's patiently waiting on the line from Long Island City. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. There's a place in Connecticut I used to send my truck. They slaughtered about 100 horses uh, every two weeks. And I used to pick up the, the skins there. I'm in the leather business. I also, Curtis, I also used to make uh, your satin jackets, uh, Kaufman's West. Um, I think you have also Guardian Angels in Tokyo, right? That is correct, throughout Japan. Yep. Yep, I made, I made those jackets also. So, uh, See, Chris is always talking about the red satin jackets. Now you know their origin, Chris. There you go. There you go. That's awesome. Made in America. Well, you made in America. But Peter, uh, even the a, Japanese, even the Japanese guys are wearing these these red sateen jackets yeah, made here. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. By the way, you never bothered looking up as to whether your uh, wannabe Democrat Bernie the Altacaca Sanders, who my wife loves, uh, was ever a Democrat. Never looked it I up, did you? I don't think he was ever a Democrat. No, he's never been a Democrat, and yet he's considered yeah. one of your own. By the way, uh, I'm telling you, Brajol, that so many people in the Italian-American community are going to have as one of their 10-course meals is horse meat. A lot of people don't believe hmm. that. Ukavat. Hmm. Any, anyway, when we come back, i got to discuss with you which – is something that occurred in the last few days that has destroyed this concept that there is systemic racism in America. And I want you, Chris Hahn, right now, if you can, to put your thinking cap on, because I know it's difficult yes, as sir. you're uh, preparing Tom Turkey there as the Maytag in your as, household. Especially when I get up at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> well, why don't you have a, a cup of Sanka Instant Coffee? You know, just I, I had a cup of coffee before I started, and I've been sitting here for two hours. I gotta go get another cup of coffee, but I don't want to wake up my puppy because <laughs> oh. everybody else is still sleeping. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, 
sleeping. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. Wake him up. Uh, my wife actually went out for a run, but everybody else is sleeping. So Wow, she's a real princess, isn't she? You have to do all the cooking. You have to do all the no, labor, no, all the no. toiling. Come on, come she's, on, Chris. Admit it. She's a hard worker. You're a Maytag. Come on, Chris. It's okay. Look, some guys. <laughs> you and three people in America know what that means. And and quite frankly, the reference is wrong. Wait a second. I mean, I've been to jail. <laughs> I've been to jail. When you're in jail, you know what a Maytag is. Come on, Chris. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so, it, but the reference is as if the Maytag repairman, you're out there doing all the work, but the Maytag repairman doesn't do any work. You, That's the whole concept of the You of the could commercial. be more hopelessly wrong. When we come back, I'm going to pose this question to Chris Hahn with the many stories that have reverberated across our nation in the last week. Which is the story that defeats the concept that there is systemic racism right here on WABC? We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. And we're back. No Bernie today. No Sid today. They're away with their families. Bernard McGurk is up in the Irish Alps. Sid Rosenberg, the Jewish Himalayas, both in the Catskills, miles apart. And they're having a very good time. And they'll be doing likewise tomorrow on Black Friday. Uh, and once again, I'll be joined at the hip. He's like an appendage to me, Chris Hahn, who today is the chef extraordinaire in parts unknown in Suffolk County. Now, now wait a minute. We're talking about my Thanksgiving plans. We haven't talked about yours at all. What are you doing? Well, we got 17 cats, rescue cats, to take care of in the 328-square-foot apartment that I share with my wife, uh, Nancy, on the Upper West Side, not far from where the balloons are bobbing down Central Park West as we speak for the Mm -hmm. annual Thanksgiving Day Parade. And uh, we'll probably gather up with some of Nancy's relatives. I'm not quite sure of that because that's generally what we do on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Wow, you you don't sound very excited, do you? Well, I was taking a bite of a little... You know, piece of bread here. I'm starving. Um, <laughs> oh, excuse me. You didn't have your Cheerios this morning? No, I did not. <laughs> so, your Wheaties? Um, your granola? I usually don't eat till noon, but I usually don't wake up till about 8. God, <laughs> so we, we, we have, you're a real slacker and a deadbeat. No, I'm not. I'm unlike, a normal human being. Unlike <laughs> uh, Frank Morano, who uh, earlier this morning... And the other side of midnight, which he hosts five uh, mornings a week. Uh, and then the other two mornings are like, Frankie Russo. But this morning, as uh, Frank Morano joined Jet Set Juliet in the hour of news, halfway through it, uh, Rachel had broke water, delivered a beautiful baby. Frank shot out of here like a bat out of hell. Went Has to- the baby been born? I know that she went into labor, but do we have confirmation from Frank Russo that Baby Russo, not Frank, Frank Morano, that baby Morano is here? No, no, we don't have confirmation. I'm just assuming because, remember, I know Staten Island so well. It's the only borough I won in the mayoral uh, general election overwhelmingly. And so I just can feel it in the marrow of my bones. Can feel it in there the marrow. But, but anyway, he's going to get hit with every conceivable ticket, because anybody who's ever gone across the Verrazano Bridge down Highland Boulevard with all the speed cameras there, I'm sure 
that by the end of uh, the day, he will have tabulated probably tickets upwards of about $1,000 in order to be at his wife's side. Well, we'll put together a GoFundMe. <laughs> and you'll, you'll host it, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll put together a GoFundMe. I'm going to take 15%, but, you know, we'll raise it. Well, that's the way our morning started out, so we wish uh, both Rachel and Frank uh, the best uh, when the uh, newborn officially arrives. But so far, so good. Meantime, but you're going out. The, wait, 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 wait. You're going out with Nancy to her relatives. Where are they? I thought she lived. I thought her family's on Long Island. No, no. Her family originally was in Long Island. Some of her family members are, and then uh, some of her family members are out in Pennsylvania. So I haven't quite yet figured that out because Nancy has been deferring to me because of this uh, shattered elbow that I have that is causing yep. me all kinds of grief. Uh, as some people know. Uh, who are, are listening right now, three days before the general election that I lost to Eric Adams, uh, I got hit by a yellow cab right outside of Radio City Music Hall as I was running here in order to uh, make sure that I was here for a paid hour of bro- broadcasting that my campaign paid for from 12 noon to 1. Uh, it was the untold story of Eric Adams, the things that the mainstream media never even talked about during the long campaign, both his primary and the Democratic ranked choice voting, and then eventually the general election against me. And I knew that if I didn't get here at 12 uh, noon, that Chad Lopez, the capo di tutti here at WABC, would not give me uh, or nor the campaign a rebate. So as I'm running across 6th Avenue and full pace against the light, I might add, no fault to anybody else. It's all my fault. I get between two yep. trucks. And then on the third lane, I think I'm home free. Kapow! I get hit by mm. a yellow cab. You can actually see the video. I get thrown about a good six foot. And I tell you, Chris, I could have sworn that I saw Bill de Blasio at the wheel and Eric Adams in the back seat. Could have swore. <laughs> I don't think he needed a cab to run you over in that election. I'm just saying. But I'm telling you this, I mean, Chris. The election it was, you know, if there's I one, mean, it's a nice metaphor. But I would have, I would have chosen a freight train. I, you know, just saying. <laughs> I'll bet you would have. But I will tell you this: one thing I learned from that campaign is that I do my best work in the subways. I never had those kind of problems. Remember, on June 19, 1992, I got popped. Five times with hollow point bullets on the orders of John Gotti Sr. to John Gotti Jr. and the Gambino crime family while on my way to WABC to do the morning program. And again, I get popped by a yellow cab three days before the election. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm really lucky it didn't do more damage. But when you fracture an elbow, it's like when you have your uh, shin hit a coffee table. You know how that feels? Yep. And with the yeah. elbow, it just resonates. So when I'm out in the I street. Can't imagine. And I got it in a sling. And people were coming up and patting me on my left shoulder. Not my right shoulder. My good shoulder. My left shoulder, it's like it just incredible pain. And then they go, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that's your bad shoulder, your bad elbow. You You really need to stick to subways. You know, surface transportation is not your friend. (laughs) It's just. It's just not. But but you've survived some pretty crazy things with these cabs. Have you been hit by one? You've been shot in them. You drove around in them for a while. I mean, it's. But I plotted this out. I plotted this out with my wife Nancy and tried to figure out like a cat has nine lives. I think I've used up eight of them. Eight of them I've used up. I may have one more in store, so I got to be really careful. Can you make this one? 
can you make this one last? I think that we're doing well with this radio thing, you and I, and you know, be nice. <laughs> now, just for me, think about somebody other than you. Think about me for a minute. The, Less you, more me. The question that I have for you that we left right before the top of the hour is, what situation of national significance that has occurred in the last 10 days actually disproved the notion, this one situation, that America has a problem with systemic racism, which is basically when it's drawn and courted, white people fearing or hating black people? I don't think any single situation defines anything. I'm not a big believer that anecdotal information, no matter how prominent it becomes, whether it be the trial of Ahmaud Armory or the acquittal of Kyle Rittenhouse, speaks for everything. I like statistics. I like to see things play out okay, and you, how it's measured. You like I, I, I'm not. I, I know it's easy to, um, to, to point to something and say, yay, racism's over. But I don't believe that that's the case. I think that there's still a lot of racism in this country. And I don't believe that we're I, – I believe that racism isn't as bad as it was 50 years ago. I'm not one of those people who think things haven't gotten better. I know that we see things more because there's more cameras, there's more social media, people are more connected than they've ever been. But I think on a whole, this country's less racist than it was 50 years ago. Oh, very good. Um, I, I give you props um, for that. Props for that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not one of these everything's bad all the time persons, which I think there's a lot of that in the media. I mean, you just heard Bill O'Reilly's minute. It was like, how bad is this country when unemployment's at zero, basically, and people are making more money than ever, and you know, but stock market's never been higher. Uh, but everything sucks, right? But no, I don't believe that. I believe things have actually gotten better. I think the arc, arc of history is long, and it bends towards justice, and it has continued to bend towards justice. That said, there is still racism in America, and we need to be on guard for it, and we need to fight it wherever we see it. Well... You're not bringing to everyone's attention, which was a momentous situation that occurred in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, have you ever gone to Waukesha, Wisconsin, right outside of Milwaukee? I have never been to Wisconsin. Wow. That's incredible. I have four stations in, in Wisconsin on my syndicated show, but I, I've never been there. That is incredible. What is preventing you from making the tour to your favorite city, Madison, which is about as liberal and progressive as any city can be in America? I was supposed to go to Wisconsin in 2020 for the Democratic National Convention, but <laughs> uh, I did not go. <laughs> so Milwaukee. They did not have it there. Milwaukee so. that is actually in its history had socialist mayors. It has. See that? Yeah, but I want to ask you. Imagine. And we both learned that in Wayne's world. No, actually, I learned it there when Alice I... Alice Cooper said it to Wayne. <laughs> no, that's not where I learned it. I learned it by organizing Guardian Angels here in 1983 with a socialist mayor who hated me, wanted me out, and a fascist right-wing police commissioner who wanted to lock me up. It's the only time both those guys agreed Curtis Lewis should not be in Milwaukee, the home of Miller High Life. There you go. And old Milwaukee beer. Oh, God. But anyway, let me get back to Waukesha. Do you know which famous individual grew up in Waukesha? I do not. It's football day. Think about it. You're going to be watching three games. He he made his bones uh, as the defensive lineman for the uh, Texans, and now he is playing for the uh, league-leading uh, uh, Arizona Cardinals. 
Oh, um, oh, I know the guy's name. I'm dropping it now. This is a morning thing. J.D. Um, Watts. J.D. Watts. There you go. Great J.D. Watts. He is uh, paying for all the funerals uh, and the wakes and the burials for the six victims of Daryl Brooks, who, as we know, uh, rushed through the Christmas parade uh, doing so much damage. But the incident that took place that says to me that there is – an example here where you can't certainly say this systemic racism is I don't know if you were aware, but last Sunday when this occurred, the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Kansas City Chiefs, right? A lot of people were watching that. Yep. And there was a guy in Waukeshaw named Daniel Ryder, about 22 years old. He was at home. None of his other family members were there. And he was sitting at the couch watching the Cowboys take on the Chiefs. And all of a sudden, guess who knocks on his door? And asked for his help. Who? Daryl Brooks. Daryl Brooks was shaking. Daniel Ryder, white. Daryl Brooks, black. But Daniel Ryder said Daryl Brooks was shaking. He told him to come on in. He gave him a jacket and made him a sandwich. And he said that the reason that he did so was that his mother told him that the last church service that they went to, in which the message from the pastor was that you have to help the homeless, you have to help the destitute, and even though his mother wasn't there, this was his chance to help someone. He said, I'm going to get him nice and warm, and I'm going to give him some food. And who is it? It's Daryl Brooks, who looks insane in the brain, right? Yeah. You would not open up your door to Daryl Brooks the way he looked, would you? You know, look, I mean, you got to, you know, you got to judge it. Let right? me tell you, you got to judge it. He could have been in North Milwaukee, the hood. There is not a black man or black woman that would have opened up their doors to Daryl Brooks because you look at him, he looks insane in the brain. So anyway, Daryl Brooks says, can I borrow your cell phone for a second? I want to call mommy and have her order me a, U- a Uber. And he did. He gave him the phone. He ordered a Uber. A, a Uber. A Uber. What, what's a Uber? Well, in Wisconsin, <laughs> it's called a Uber. It's called a Uber. Yeah. In Wisconsin. You've never okay, been in it. Wisconsin. You're going to argue with me. I spent uh, much of my time in the 80s in Madison, in Racine, in Kenosha, in Milwaukee. And now you're going to argue with me, right? Well, I mean, I was, you know, in 1983 when you were in Wisconsin, I was in like fourth grade. So I guess, you know, I've got no argument. So anyway. (laughs) Maybe third grade. He said the only thing that shook him, this white kid, Daniel Wright, at 22 years old, was he heard some police sirens in the area and he noticed that Daryl Brooks was getting nervous. So he suggested, Daryl, maybe you may want to leave. And that's when he got locked up. That's when the cops saw him, right. and they they see they see it. The video is actually on Ryder's ring doorbell. You see him coming into the house, and you see him as he's leaving, getting arrested by the police, who obviously were scurrying around looking to lock him up. I believe this instance of humanitarian service, opening up your door while you're watching the Cowboys play the Chiefs, which any football fan would never do unless it was pizza yeah, being game. delivered. Uh, right. Shows that systemic racism is dead in Waukesha, Wisconsin. No, it doesn't. It shows that that man is not a racist. It doesn't 
<laughs> talk about system-wide anything. That's the definition of an anecdote. <laughs> you have to and admit. I know. That and, is, and look, I that know is you're a not, strange I know story. I know that you are technically a Republican because you just became one to run for mayor. But that is what the right likes to do all the time. They like to hold up a single example to define the whole. Like they'll say, this person did this, all Democrats are that. Or this person did this, all Republicans are that. No, it, that's not the case. It is that individual case. It's Thanksgiving. Again, Shouldn't we all be doing that for one another regardless I, of our I political agree. affiliations? I think, we should, I think we should all be loving to our fellow people around this country and around this world. Well, I think Republicans, um, I absolutely Republicans probably say an insurance policy would be have your six-shooter at your, your side there, you know, open carry right. permit, have it there. When you open the door, just make sure he knows you're armed. <laughs> and Democrats would probably just say, oh, this is my opportunity to do something good to prove that I'm not a racist. Anyway, our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. No Bernie or Sid today, nor tomorrow. They're away with their families for Thanksgiving. And instead, you have yours truly, Curtis Lee, and Christopher Hahn, who's almost at the point of putting the big bird that he's cooking for a gathering of 20 out at his home yeah, in baby. Suffolk County and parts unknown, ready to put the bird in the oven and then prepare the meal that... Um, he will be offering to everyone else who has to bring potluck, as we were told earlier this morning. But, Chris, we have a very special guest on the line. If not for him, we would not be speaking to two separate microphones, me at the studios of WABC and you at your home. It's John Katzmatinis, owner and operator of Red Apple Media, uh, WABC, hey. and host uh, in, of his own. Like, uh, Good morning, John. Good morning. Good morning, we got some breaking news. What is that, John? Go ahead. I think uh, Morano is at the hospital, and the baby is about to be born. Nice. Yeah, in fact, that happened. It's uh, John, our own Frank Morano. Right, that happened. It uh, is, as I'm calling it, Frank uh, Frank's giving because uh, halfway through the morning show, which gets at Julie at the news hour. Frank got the word that Rachel had broken water, and he flew out of here like a bat out of hell, uh, probably got clipped all along the way, all the speed cameras on Highland Boulevard, and is at her side. So, yeah, that's some joyous news on this Thanksgiving day. Yes, it is. Here. And I, I'll tell you, um, you know, this morning, instead of saying good morning, New York, I said good morning, Miami. And... Uh, you know, I'm looking at the same ocean, but it's a different temperature. I can't understand it, you know? <laughs> it's a different color, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's more blue today. Uh, uh, Curtis, are you going to go watch the Thanksgiving Day Parade uh, with Anthony? No, we were there last night for the blowing up of the balloons, John. That's what we do as part of our tradition now, although it's somewhat odd. We were on the west side of Columbus, and... Uh, People were packed together because they were looking at the balloons as they were being inflated. 
But if you were on the east side, you had to show a vaccine passport. It's all outdoors. It was quite hard to figure out. A lot of people were trying to figure out, wait a second, what's the difference if you're on the west side on Columbus or on the east side of Columbus and you have to show a vaccine passport? So some of the parents came. They didn't have the passport with them. Uh, Their children were a little upset because they couldn't go. So I couldn't quite figure that out, but we stayed most of the night until uh, people ended up going home. Well, those were wonderful days with my kids. I remember those days, Curtis, and I'm glad you're experiencing them because the most wonderful days of my life is uh, taking my kids to the uh, parade and and having them on my shoulder and uh, and uh, giving them the thrill of their life. And uh, those are the days all our listeners out there just want to say a happy Thanksgiving and and do something special today. I mean, today is not a day of politics. The heck with politics today. Uh, we're going to survive the day, and uh, and uh, it's about family, it's about love, it's about uh, uh, trying to help uh, other people, and, um, and and that's what it's all about. And, uh, and and Curtis, thank you for being the voice uh, of WABC and and being there today. And and there's a lot of people that just uh, uh, enjoy listening to the radio. I'm down in Miami, but I enjoy listening to New York radio because I'm a New Yorker, and uh, God bless America, you know. Yeah, and uh, John, also what a lot of people don't realize is there are people listening right now who don't have families. They're living on their own. And so their friend is WABC, all the hosts and hostesses here that they listen to on a regular basis. But you know how depressing it can get on holidays when you don't have any family or friends that you can either visit or who can't visit you for whatever reasons. And then you know you have your family, which is WABC, which so many people will come up to me in the streets or the subways and tell me, you know, that's my that's my home. That's really where I have friends because I'm a shut-in or I live by myself, you know, or my family lives so far away. And especially with the lockdown and the COVID restrictions, a lot of people have been stuck on their own. And they appreciate all you've been able to provide to them, John, by having live programming seven days a week in which you have all different kind of hosts and hostesses uh, who make appearances. We, are, You're absolutely right. I got rid of all the doctors, the lawyers. There were, there were advertisers like that as far as those one-hour shows. And uh, we have live programming 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and it's, it's being with family. It's being with somebody to talk to. It's being with if something is happening you uh, wouldn't have breaking news 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's about uh, having somebody to, to depend on that, that uh, that's next to you. By the way, Margo's here and wants to say hello, Curtis. Good morning, Curtis. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and the kitty cats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Margo delivered some treats uh, to our 17 rescue cats, four boxes of goodies. Uh, all all apparently turkey-flavored so far. I've gotten through most of those boxes, Margo. I thank you, and Nancy thanks you enormously for that. Well, it's Thanksgiving, and uh, why not have turkey-flavored uh, treats, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, one last question, John, before you and Margo go and enjoy the rest of the day. Uh, I know there are a lot of New Yorkers have moved down to Florida, all parts of Florida, and especially southern Florida, the greater Miami area, Dade County, Broward County. 
do you think that's permanent for them or in any of the conversations that you've had, uh, are they going to have two locations where they live or that's it? They're staying in Florida. Well, uh, you can't walk around any place in Miami or Palm Beach or any of those areas without running into an, at least one New Yorker. Uh, I think, uh, look, I love Miami. I love Palm Beach. Uh, I love Florida. But I love it for three for three days, four days. And then I want to be home. I want to come back to New York. I love New York. And, uh, you know, you know what we're depending on in New York? We want New York to be safe, and uh, Curtis, you worked very hard towards it. Uh, I think uh, Eric Adams has heard the uh, uh, the signal that New Yorkers want to come home, but they want to be safe. And, uh, I, you know, we all pray that he does a good job so New York is the way we love New York and the way we want it. I don't know how Chris Hahn feels about it because uh, the, the big argument today is uh, whether uh, the the people, uh, the 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 sickly people, the mentally ill that the city threw on the streets of New York because uh, they felt that oh they deserve to be free. Well, I think they deserve treatment. I think that is uh, uh, more to one's heart, deserving treatment and deserving to uh, to be in the hospital if they need. Uh, medicines, et cetera, et cetera, instead of being on the streets of New York, pushing, uh, you know, just struggling and and uh, and uh, being criminals sometimes because they're hungry and they want they want to rob somebody to to be able to buy food. I don't know, Curtis. I know we're not supposed to talk about politics, but I think in a, in a day like Thanksgiving, I think those people, the real liberals feel that those people need help and should be given help instead of just thrown on the streets of New York. Well, I agree. I agree 100%. I didn't understand the policy. I think that, Is that the you need to Chris give Hines? these people... That <laughs> famous, <laughs> infamous. Uh, I think that when you're, when you're taking people and throwing them out onto the streets who have mental impairments, you are putting them at risk to being abused by each other, by other people in the public. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't think it's a good policy. I think we have to find a way to get people Chris, help why and get them back on the I street. I still don't understand. Why did they throw? There used to be 30,000 people uh, in, in uh, hospitals for the mentally ill. And I don't mind spending the money uh, to, to help those people. And now there's only 3,000. They took the other 27,000 threw them in the streets of New York, and, and now instead of calling them mentally ill in hospitals, they call them homeless. I think that uh, we have to make sure that we can humanely help these people. And I think it's the job of us, in, in us, the, the, the public, and of government itself, to make sure that these people who cannot help themselves, most of them, are given the treatment they need, and if we can help them to help themselves, do that as part of what we as part of our mission here. Just throwing them out to the wolves is not a good policy. Well, we're all in solidarity, John and Chris Hahn so, so and yours truly. Me and Chris and Curtis, we all agree on that. Isn't that great? On Thanksgiving, do we all agree on something? 
Well, look, it's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to me is a day that you talk about what you're thankful for, but it's also a day to give uh, and to give to your fellow human. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always glad to see that happening. Uh, and I know that you do a lot of that. And I know that Curtis does a lot of that. And I do it my own way as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, I see these people struggling and it, it, there's got to be a better way. Well, that's great. And, uh, John, uh, you and Margo and your family have a great Thanksgiving uh, for the time that you're down here. Uh, down there, we await your arrival back. And uh, up next, I'm going to be explaining how Chris Hahn on Thanksgiving Day today has made it bad for all guys in America, not just here in the tri-state area, but where you can hear the 50,000 powerful watts of sound of WABC through most of America. That was just great holiday wishes for this Thanksgiving from our owners and operators of Red Apple uh, Media, WABC, uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis, who are down in Miami. Yeah, baby. Gave us an idea of what's happening down there. I don't know if they're on South Beach or they're nearby Palm Beach in Broward or Dade County, but they're down there and going to be enjoying Miami in the good weather. Meantime, though, today... Uh, our chef extraordinaire is Chris Hahn, who is the Maytag in his house. Somewhere out in Suffolk County, in parts unknown, he is preparing the meal for what's expected to be 20 guests, family members and friends. And I'm, I'm kind of figuring out that because of your political stream, you've been snacking on the essential New York Times cookbook going through all their legacy dishes over the years that have involved turkey and the trimmings. Am I correct on that? I have uh, I have perused that over the years, but I wouldn't say that I am a regular uh, advice. I, I don't usually advise myself with that regularly. Let's put it that way. Now, there is a favor I'd like you to do since we're all in solidarity. John, Margot, yours truly, and you. We were all together for that moment on this Thanksgiving Day holiday. Now that you have your oven heated... Once the turkey gets out, I'd like you to start baking some pumpkin donuts. Come into the city where the cops are working two, three shifts because of the Thanksgiving Day Parade and hand them out and identify yourself, Chris Hahn. Say, I, Chris Hahn, here. Just want you to know, coppers, that I care about you on Thanksgiving. And here are my home-baked pumpkin donuts. I don't know, man. I don't do donuts. And the last time I checked, donuts are fried, Curtis. If you're baking it, it's just a cake. All right. It's a round it's cake. It's a pie day. I get it. It's a pie day. <laughs> and what will the pie of choice be at the Han, Han household? I'm an apple pie guy, all American. Uh, that's me. Uh, my daughter likes pumpkin. So, you know, we'll have both. We'll probably have another one, too, of some, some other kind of pie, whether it be blueberry, cherry, I don't know. But we're definitely having an apple and we're definitely having a pumpkin. Will uh, you have the Florentine dip available? No, there will be no Florentine dip available. <laughs> a little broccoli rob? No broccoli rob, but broccoli rob is one of my favorite things in the world. Now, <laughs> so, as chef extraordinaire. Leave it to our people to take something as healthy as broccoli and make it one of the most unhealthy things you could eat. <laughs> I hate broccoli rob with a passion. Oh, I love it. I, I love it. hate broccoli rob, but... Going back to our elementary school days, you went to uh, schools in Long Island. I went to schools here in New York City. 
Does your dish have, remember how they used to have the pie chart? You had to have a starch, a protein, and vegetable. I don't think the the food groups uh, apply anymore. I don't think that, that <laughs> applies. But there is a starch and a vegetable and and protein. Oh, you know, you. But gotta, you know that we moved away from that, right? We moved away from the food groups. I never pyramid. did. I never did. It's well, embedded in my head. The same way they taught me, you know, how you brush your teeth. You know, it's up and down, not all around. I mean, you remember? Yeah, that. but yeah, but but that food chart basically has you eating nothing but carbohydrates. <laughs> I mean, it's well, stovetop stuffing, right? Uh, which would be right in the turkey, rice aroni, the San Francisco uh-huh. treat that meets your politics. <laughs> I don't do the San Francisco treat. We're good. You know, I think uh, in those raids that were made on all those stores in the San Francisco Bay Area, they not only yep. took all the valuable items, the high-end items, but they also took all the rice and the San Francisco treat to boot. Those shelves are bare there, and they don't want to call looting. They want to call it organized robbery. Again. You're pointing to an anecdote somewhere there to say the entire place is gone. Uh, last time I went to San Francisco, uh place is beautiful. One of the most beautiful cities I've ever been to, actually. No doubt. Um, and, and, and frankly, it's expensive, too. So. Expensive. Uh, I'm telling you, parts of the Tenderloin, the lower Tenderloin, the Mission, a devastated uh, Petrero Hill, Sunnyvale. I spent a lot of time there with the Guardian Angels devastated, uh, beautiful city, no doubt about it, uh, most beautiful in all of America as far as I'm concerned. But then you go north, Vancouver, British Columbia, gorgeous city, and the most gorgeous yeah. of all all over the world. Do you know what city that is? What are you going to say, Seattle? No. Cape Town, South Africa, because you get the Atlantic Ocean on one side, you go up the coast, you have the Indian Ocean on the other side. Cape Town is gorgeous. Unfortunately, because of all the crime there, they've renamed it Rape Town. But if is you, there a Angels chapter in Cape Town? Yes, that's how I know. Look, I only go to places where I'm invited to, and it's never in the best neighborhoods. You know that. I know that. I know that. And then are there McDonald's for you to take the troops out <laughs> for the traditional Guardian Angels meal? The dollar menu. Uh, when you visit. Curtis is coming to town. Everybody gets a Big Mac, a frog, no, medium drink. No, no, it's got to be on the dollar menu like in Jackson, Mississippi when I visit the chapter there. Like two-thirds of the menu chart is on the dollar menu because so, so many people are poor and impoverished. But anyway, let's start going back to the phones. Uh, let's go to uh, Sal, who's calling from Strong Island where you are, Christopher Hahn. Welcome to WABC this Thanksgiving Day, Salvatore. Hey, good morning, Curtis. It's nice to hear from you, Curtis. Uh, welcome back. I would like to listen to you every single day from now on. Anyway, I have a question for Chris. Uh, Steve, yeah. Colbert, Steve Colbert in his show recently said that if Kyle Rittenhouse didn't break any laws, we should change those laws. Is there a foreign that we should get rid of it, the Constitution of the United States? No, he's saying that if a 17-year-old can go into a crowd and kill two people, then maybe there's something wrong with our laws. I think it's a very reasonable thing to say. And in fact, in America, if you don't like the outcome of something, you have a way to fix it. You can change your members of Congress or your state legislature or your local city government and hope that they change the law. And frankly, when you see a kid with, an AR-15, go into a crowd, 
and kill two people and injure another, no matter what the circumstances are, there should be some sort of punishment for that. And there is none here. All right, but Chris Hahn, uh, Wisconsin uh, is a split in terms of a liberal conservative state. We talked about it before. Uh, there have been socialists elected in Wisconsin, and then there was uh, Gunner Joe McCarthy uh, on the far right. I mean, they've had a history of that. Yet look at what just happened in uh, Georgia uh, in the Arbery case. Uh, the three men who were accused of killing him have all been found guilty under homicide yep. charges uh, and uh, murder charges, a whole slew of charges, but only one, yep. uh, the son, was found guilty of malice murder. Which I never heard of in these uh, this neck of the woods. I know you've uh, been a practicing attorney, but the the son who actually shot Aubrey has also been found guilty of malice murder, which may put him away uh, triple life without parole. We don't have anything yeah. like that, do we? Well, we have first degree murder in New York. I mean, they might call it malice murder there. Um, you know, if it's intent uh, is is the case here. What was your intent? What was your mens rea? So he was convicted on all counts, and frankly, I don't think, but for the video, I don't even think this would have gone to trial. But there was a video, and we all saw it, and it was disgusting. And these guys called 911 because they saw a black kid running through their neighborhood. That is crazy. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the guy who jumped on with the father and son, I think he had actually at some point worked with the Department of Justice, uh, it was his video that sealed the deal for all three of them. And yet, even though he had taken the video, and I, I don't know what the nuances were in terms of why he took the video, but obviously he did produce the video. He got no slack in terms of uh, the jury uh, in considerations for him. He was found just as guilty as the father, uh, multiple murder charges. So you're looking yep. at a slam dunk case there where the jury really didn't take all that much time. Uh, predominantly white jury, I think comprised of 11 yep. whites, one black. And uh, no no arguments in terms of the decision that they made right before the Thanksgiving Day holiday. No, no arguments at all. Uh, and I, I was a little surprised that the guy who took the video got uh, as stiff a penalty as I thought he'd get something because it did appear that they all acted in concert. But... Uh, yeah, that jury went to the jury room. They stayed there for less than 24 hours and came back with a verdict. Well, you're right, because without that videotape, things might not have been so clear cut and such a slam dunk. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Chris Hahn, who is the chef extraordinaire in Suffolk County this morning in parts unknown, preparing uh, the Thanksgiving Day uh, meal for upwards of 20 uh, visitors. By the way, are you willing to accept any more visitors to your house today, Chris, since you don't have COVID-19 restrictions in Suffolk? It, it, if you and Nancy want to come, you're more than welcome. I would leave the cats at home because I have two dogs that will definitely eat them. No, we cannot leave our cats at home, as you know. Our cats are so dear to us, and many of them, uh, as you know, Nancy rescues them from the shelter systems of New York City when their execution date is up. They're only held sometimes 72 hours, and if they're not adopted or forced out or a rescue group doesn't come uh, to uh, uh, get them, uh, they sometimes get destroyed, euthanized within 72 hours. So Nancy is always on the ready. So thank you for the invitation, because as you know, Nancy is from nearby Bohemia. In Suffolk yeah. County. 
What kind She's of a, a name? Connecticut high school grad. That's where she went. Recently. <laughs> Recent Connecticut high school grad. And Stony Brook. Stony Brook yeah. College. And Brooklyn Stony Brook Law University, School. University, please. Brooklyn Law Stony School. Brook, wait, Brooklyn Law. St. John's Law right here. So we were arch rivals. See that? See that? It's amazing. You you weren't separated by all that much distance. You and, much. and the woman no. who is now oftentimes She would mistaken. have been far too young for me, even though I'm <laughs> even though you're older than my dad. You should have seen <laughs> it <laughs> yesterday as they were blowing up the balloons. Yeah, I'm standing with Anthony, my oldest son, Nancy, and people coming up. Gee, what, is it, what does it feel like to be the son and daughter of Curtis Sliwa? <laughs> <sighs> we'll get back uh, to uh, Chef Extraordinaire Chris Hahn uh, momentarily in our Thanksgiving Day extravaganza. Now, stay entertained and informed with Bernie and Sid in the morning on 77 WABC. I know Bernie and Sid today, they're away on Tom Turkey Day, today and tomorrow, and substituting Chris Hahn uh, out there playing chef extraordinaire at his home in parts unknown in Suffolk, uh, but will be in studio with me tomorrow, back-to-back, belly-to-belly. Let's go right to the phones. It's uh, Eddie, who's been patiently waiting on the line in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Eddie. Hi, Curtis. Good morning. Um, Yeah, I know you've probably used this phrase before. Mind your own B.I. business. I always wondered what the B.I. means. That's a very interesting question. I've been using it ever I since it I was a kid. Business. <laughs> no, yeah, me as well. It stands for business. Yeah, but wait a second. Uh, mind your B.I. business. Yeah, I've used that before. Like when you were kids, we used. It. I heard you use it not too long ago. Yeah, but no, that acronym uh, must stand for something else. Hey, why don't you mind your B.I. business, pal? I figure you would have man. Your big insulting business. Is that what you think, Chris? I no, I think the BI actually stands for business. <laughs> All right, well, let's find out from our listeners because uh, you got me stumped on that one, Eddie. I've been using it since I was probably about six or seven years old, and yet I have no idea what that acronym stands for. Why don't you mind your BIB business, sir, pal? Like, what is what is the H? stand for in Jesus H. Christ. I didn't know he had a middle name. I had no idea Hector? either. Is it like Hector or Henry or? I think it's the Jesus. I don't know. It's- Jesus. No, Jesus is with a J. <laughs> so- no, I got, I got to tell you a uh, funny thing, Eddie and uh, Chris Hahn, you know, I used to collect uh, top baseball cards in the 60s. And so they had Matty Alou, Philippe Alou, and Jesus Alou, the three Alou brothers. So I used to think, oh, that's Jesus Alou. He can't have that name. That's sacrilegious. There's only one Jesus. And then somebody told me, no, it's, it's pronounced Jesus. I said, but doesn't that mean Jesus? And I got into big arguments over that. And I actually took my Topps baseball cards and crossed that name out. So all it ah. said was Alou. And years later, when my mother found my four-shine box, because I had all my Topps baseball cards, I had always crossed out, like if they were traded, if they had been a St. Louis Cardinal, and let's say, hypothetically, they had been traded. You ruined uh, them. To the Chicago Cubs. Ruined them all. Yeah. Ruined them my all. My mother threw mine out. <laughs> oh, she did? Anyway, and, and yeah, she threw them out. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. By the way, what were your favorite baseball cards, Chris Hahn, growing up that you would have fought to the death to keep? 
uh, my Reggie Jackson. You know, I mean, I you know, I grew up on Long Island, obviously in the eighties and the seventy, late seventies, early eighties, and Reggie Jackson was one of my heroes back in the day. Ricky Henderson, Reggie Jackson, Ron Guidry, Greg Nettles. I wore number nine most of my life because of Greg Nettles, and of course the great Bucky Dent. A Yankee fan in Long Island. That's an aberration. Absolutely. Ah, well, absolutely. Got to do it. Got to do it. You got to got to root for the Yanks. So you had your Topps baseball cards. Did you ever play flipsies or topsies with them? I did early on, but honestly, by the time I was 12, I understood the value of baseball cards, and I collected them, and I tried to keep them in mint condition, and then I went away to college, and I came back, and they were gone. So... <laughs> Got to tell you, as a a kid, I was very good playing uh, flipsies, which you match. You know, you match. It's like heads and tails. Uh, And topsies, in which you flip them up against the wall. And if you top out on the card, it's yours unless they top out on you. And I remember I used to try to get the kids into such a frenzy. And you can tell these kids might become degenerate gamblers someday because they take out their Mickey Mantle card or the Willie Mays card and they get into a, such a frenzy of competition that they, they lose them to me in either flipping cards, matching cards right. or topping cards and they'd start crying. I was like, nah, come, come on, kid. I'm going to give them back to you. You know, but other kids, oh, you can't do that. Come on. The kids got to learn. Well, those kids saying that, those kids saying that should be minding their BI business. Is what I say. <laughs> Although I they think, be minding it's, I their think BI the term business. is BIB business. I think it's BIB business. Although I stand to be corrected here, uh, as it was brought to our attention by that earlier caller. Anyway, let's go to Giuseppe, who's calling from Stamford, Connecticut. Uh, welcome to yours, Julian Chris Hahn, today on Thanksgiving Day, Joe. How are you, bud? Uh, long-time listener. Missed your, your time, uh, all your shows, but I really did enjoy your time with Juliet. They were good shows. I remember calling you, telling you to stay away from the pigeons, how they destroyed the bridges. <laughs> I worked on the bridges and stuff. But I just want to wish you a happy holiday and your family and everybody else. That's all. Thank you, Curtis. Well, just an update, Chris Hahn, when you come tomorrow, you'll see the pigeons have returned here to WABC uh, since I lost the general election to uh, Mayor-elect Eric Adams, uh, John Katsimatidis uh, brought me back, no-cut contract for 30 years, uh, <laughs> and immediately asked me, are the pigeons going to be following you? And ever since I returned over a week ago, in fact, my first program back was with you. Was you. Yeah. Uh, remember? Uh, a good program. Did you look out? Yep. What did you notice? The pit- I noticed a group of pigeons just sitting there watching us talk, and it was very creepy. They were I am very telling pigeons. you, I am the pigeon guy. I've posted a video. If you can find it on my Facebook, you will see the pigeons following me because all during the campaign, it became kind of difficult. I was all over the place. But now that, you know, I'm going from the apartment to WABC from time to time, they got me nailed. Although they haven't nailed me yet with any of their dive bombing. That would not be good no. for the parade. Anyway, no, it, it'll give you some. It'll give you something to do when you retire. You could feed those pigeons. <laughs> Talk to myself sitting in the, the park. Nancy clubs. could be wheeling you around. You got a blanket <laughs> over you. Nancy will be, you know, finally in her thirties. What a wise and you are. You can hand out the bread to the pigeons. Yeah, no, 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 no bread. Wild bird seed. 
We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WABC. Speaking of Greg Kelly, I will be substituting for Greg today from 1.15 right after Bill O'Reilly to 3 o'clock. And then uh, I believe it's Rudy Giuliani who's on. Not quite sure. Uh, but you're going to have live programming all day long, which is another thing that never used to happen. When Cumulus or Disney or Citadel owned uh, WABC, I know, because I worked uh, here most of my 30 years in talk radio. That uh, Forget it. Would there be holidays? <laughs> if you, there was no reason to listen uh, to the radio no. on WABC. But uh, Chris Hahn has rejoined us as the chef extraordinaire preparing meal meals, not for the homeless and the destitute and the indigent, out in Suffolk County, but in parts unknown out there for, I guess, family members and friends, numbering about 20, where there are no restrictions uh, to how many people you can uh, have uh, at your home because of COVID-19, unlike uh, in other parts of our country or even here in the city. I ran down during the break, took the turkey out of the fridge, out of the bag, put it in the roasting pan, did not put it in the oven yet, wanted to let it get to room temperature. And then uh, I will put it in about a half an hour on our next break. Now, that's interesting because uh, we finished the hour. Uh, we wanted to know what the Ackerman, uh, hey, mind your B.I.B. business, pal, what B.I.B. stood for. And uh, very intrepidly, Philip here, who's at the controls, uh, phone screening, seems to have come up with an answer. I don't know if it's an urban myth or what, but, Philip, why don't you relate it to all of our listeners? No, no, can't hear you, Philip. You gotta <laughs> uh, let's see if he can press that button and uh, actualize himself. <laughs> All right, I think you're on now. If necessary, just come on in here and talk in here. Well, we we got to figure this out because uh, yeah. You you didn't necessarily nail it. I use it all the time. I've been using it since I was five years old. Uh, Your Budinsky? No, what is it? No, no. No, he's not coming in. So why don't you just come in the studio here? See, the, these young whipper, whippersnappers. They, they don't want, want to come on the air. I don't no, understand. No, no, they're stubborn. People. They're stubborn. They want to make it work. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll be here a month of Sundays. It's like old school says, get we your ass right here into the, the show, studio Phillip. and talk. Come on, baby. Come on in here. So let's see. Uh, let's uh, whip it out there. Come on here, Phillip. Well, what is me? Okay, so I did my extensive research during the break. I was intrigued just like you guys. And apparently it's, an only, it's only a term that's used in New York City. It's only in New York yeah, City. So no one else knows about this. This is just for us, New Yorkers. And uh, the B.I. stands for Batinsky, which is someone Batinsky, who, I was right. Yes, yes. You got it, Chris. You got it. What it's, the hell does that mean, Batinsky? It, I've never heard the term Batinsky, either. it's Yiddish. Yes. Yeah, yeah. See, Chris knows. Chris is an expert on Well, this. that's because his dad is Jewish, although he doesn't claim to be Jewish himself because his mother's not Jewish. Right, Chris? She's Catholic. She was an Italian Catholic. See, if your mom had been Jewish, evan- you'd be Jewish. Evangelical. So yeah, let me get that again. So since I was five, that's for 62 years, I've said to people, especially Weisenheimers, why don't you just mind your BIB business? And that means Batinsky? Apparently. I've I've heard the term before, the BI business. I've never even thought about what it could mean. Philip, I need to know this. This is very important to this discussion <laughs> about Yiddish uh, phraseology. Have you had a brisk? What's that? A, a brisk? Yeah, well, you're not Jewish. You have no, no idea what I, I'm I've, talking about. I have no about. idea what you're talking about. Because I would have thought that the Moyle did it uh, blindfolded with a Ginzu knife, maybe. 
I never heard anything so ridiculous in my life. Patinsky. <laughs> me neither. It's news to me. It's news to and me. Look at yeah, this. Well, mind your own BI business you don't like Yiddish. Chris, the schmuck out there, thinks that it means that. <laughs> well, let's find out from our listeners. Plenty of Jews, plenty of Gentiles out there who've used this phraseology that I've used since I was five years old. one 800 848 That's one 800 848 W-A-B-C. You're, sure, you're pretty sure of yourself, right, Chris? I'm pretty sure. I mean, that, that sounds right to me, but Insky. All right, let's go to Kenny, who's calling but from... But Insky means like you're, uh, you're, 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 you're butting in. You're, you're, you're putting your nose where it doesn't belong. I don't know. That'd be like uh, ordering a two-cents plane. But anyway, let's go to Kenny out in Yonkers. <laughs> your turn to be heard here at W-A-B-C, Kenny. Uh, good morning, Curtis and uh, Chris. I love you both. Curtis, I've been listening to you for years. Chris, I listen to you when you substitute. You're so balanced. That's what I love about you. And Curtis, you are very balanced. If I lived in New York City, I would have voted for you. My girlfriend voted for you. But I'm wishing uh, Mr. Adams a lot of luck. I think he's saying the right things at the right time, and he's learned a lot from the mistakes that the Blasio made. And uh, let's hope that New York City will be revitalized. And Chris, I wish you get a more more time on the air to represent more balanced views compared to those two guys in the morning. And Curtis, you don't have to react, but they are so one-sided. And I want to hear their reaction Monday when they come back to the Aubrey uh, verdict. And I want to see how vehemently they they support the verdict like they did Rittenhouse. And Curtis, you brought up an excellent point about Rittenhouse. He shouldn't be demonized, but he shouldn't be idolized. And you said that on the air. Well, you know, it's uh, interesting, Kenny. Uh, <laughs> too bad as a Democrat, you could have voted for me twice. I'd have been the mayor today, you know, because <laughs> Democrats get to vote as many times as I they want. I think they would have had to vote three times for you to win. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, just doing the math in my head. I'm just, just saying. But it's interesting in the... Um, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to get people to vote twice, let alone three times. I mean, that's just a lot of work. Well, if you're a Democrat, you can do that quite uh, quite frequently, especially in Hudson County, across the Hudson, the most corrupt Democratic county in America. You know what Jersey most of your City voters is. Live. They live in Hudson County. They just have a place in the city. <laughs> now, saying. question here. Uh, Rittenhouse had the interview with Tucker Carlson in which he claimed he was a fan of Black Lives Matter. Uh, I just, I could not conceive of that. I don't know why uh, somebody put that in his ear, you know, like a can of corn, to suddenly say something like that. I cannot believe for the life of me that Rittenhouse was a fan of Black Lives Matter. I, look, the kid's 17 years old. Well, 18 now. 18 now. But, you know, he's frozen in time at 17, basically. Um, what he knows, what he doesn't know, you know, what he doesn't know could fit into a library. What he knows can fit into a thimble. So holding him up as any kind of symbol, as you, as you point out correctly, is the wrong thing to do. And, and seeing him sit for a, you know, a, a long interview with Tucker Carlson, who wishes to exploit this kid, um, you know, it, it's kind of pathetic when you think about it. And, uh, you know, look, I, I don't think the jury got it right there, but I do feel for that kid in a way that I, I didn't feel for 
the, the three bums who chased down Ahmad Armory, the three racist thugs who chased him down and killed him. Um, you can't help but feel a little sorry for Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, now, uh, where does that sorrow derive from? What, what is the sorrow directed at? I, I don't feel at 17 years old that the decisions you make are fully informed. And quite frankly, the fact that he was even where he was is the result of people pushing him in that direction. People who are, you know, you know, making him believe that this is where he needed to be. So, you know, he was put in a situation that he should never have been in. And there should be laws that prevent 17-year-old kids from carrying firearms into crowds. Sorry. Needs to happen. So you've decided to move in the Stephen Colbert direction. I agree fully with Stephen Colbert. Um, and I think most people would. I think if you're rationally thinking about it, and I think you would too, Curtis. I mean, there needs to be something preventing 17-year-old kids from going to crowds with weapons that can kill people. I, I, I got to tell you. We have those laws in New York. You couldn't do the, that here. The separation of a 17 to an 18-year-old is minuscule. We can uh, – they can join the military and go off and kill people in defense of the country. Yep. Uh and you would have a problem with them bearing arms to protect property? Well, let's who go off and join the military are fully trained in how to use those arms in the circumstances that they will be given those arms and placed in. This kid was not trained properly to be in a crowd with a weapon. And frankly, I, I it, it boggles my mind how that is not a crime of some sort, not just for him. But for any of the adult that knew, any adult that brought him there, gave him the weapon, should be charged. Well, it is. It, it people's is a, lives. People died, and more people could have died. It is a, a crime because the gun was purchased by a friend of his who was eighteen, purchased it for yep. him, stored yep. it at his house, which uh, was in Kenosha, uh, yep. and obviously opened up the safe where it was stored. So that Rittenhouse would have access to it so he could take it into the streets of Kenosha and join others who also had fetched their guns. And I think, remember, we're failing to realize that none of that would have occurred. Uh, You had uh, uh, the black guy who was killed uh, in a domestic situation. I'm trying to remember his name right now. I think it was Blake. Uh, I stand to be corrected on that. Was shot seven yep, times, Blake. right by the uh, cops uh, as he uh, went into his vehicle and apparently reached under the floorboard. They said uh, for a knife, so he got shot. Well, he didn't reach to anything, according to the video. He didn't even make it to his car. He was going back to his car and he opened the door and they shot him. Yeah, well, it's dependent on your interpretation, but obviously he was going back to his car for some reason. Ended up getting shot. The uh, police officer was not charged or prosecuted. Uh, He remains paralyzed. But that occurred on August 23rd of 2020. August 24th, uh, there was rioting in the streets. There was arson. There was vandalism. uh, There was total anarchy. Uh, There were few, if any, cops, few, if any, county sheriffs, no state troopers, no National Guard. So, again, just like we saw in Minneapolis and in the state of Minnesota, like we saw in Seattle, Uh, when they uh, took over a precinct, Uh, when you see the initial situation that triggered such outrage, 
better to be overprepared than underprepared. And they, they, they did all summer long of 2020. They didn't seem to realize that. You look what happened here in New York City. Macy's Herald is putting plywood up all over the place. What did Macy's yeah. know that de Blasio didn't know? Well, he knew. He knew there was going to be looting and shooting. He just told the police to stand back. In fact, the uh, lead news story was Rodney Harrison, who at that time was the head of the detectives of the NYPD, then became head of the patrol. Uh, Good-looking African-American guy, young, well-spoken. I was never favorably impressed by the job he did, but he made a good public presentation. He will not continue on in the Eric Adams administration, so he's uh, turning in his gun and badge and retiring. Uh, But uh, the cops were powerless to do anything because the mayor had basically handcuffed them. And all the merchants, they took actions. They put plywood up on everything they could. Uh, Meantime, the city of New York did nothing at all to prevent the rioting, looting, and shooting. On June 1st, June 2nd, uh, the year 2002, the summer, excuse me, the year 2020, the summer of 2020, I ended up getting my jaw broken with the Guardian Angels as we were protecting property preventing people from stealing uh, product, as you see all through the Bay Area of San Francisco. And, and you now. got hit in the head with a city bike, which city was bike, amazing to me. Right, which uh, gave me a partial concussion. But actually what broke the jaw was a claw hammer. Uh, there was like four attacks on us, and I got clobbered right with a claw hammer. I could actually see it hitting me. And luckily, it didn't do more damage, although some would say that the damage is irreparable. You can tell that every time I speak or every time I try to uh, connect sentences and uh, make some sense of things. And that's what we're doing this morning as we substitute for Bernard McGurk, who's off to the Irish Alps. His partner, Sid Rosenberg, is in the uh, Jewish Himalayas. That's up in the Catskills as they're with family and friends for Thanksgiving. They'll be away tomorrow. And Chris Hahn is going to have to schlep. See, you little Yiddish schlep all the way in here to WABC to sit opposite me instead of instead oh. of preparing uh, whatever whatever leftovers, which will probably be massive amounts for the other uh, people who are coming to scavenge what's left over at your house somewhere in Suffolk County. There will be lots of leftovers tomorrow, but I will not be cooking them. I will be dragging myself into Manhattan to hang out with you. Anyway, our number is one 800 Eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. You know, they said Chris Hahn. They had that uh, there for you, mentioning that your personal opinions do not reflect uh, Red Apple Media or any facet of the corporation that is allowing us to broadcast today. You do realize that, Chris Hahn. <laughs> Chris is too busy basting the turkey as a Maytag that he is in his household today. He's wearing an apron with doilies on it. He's at the beck and call of 20 people who are going to be visiting him in his palazzo in parts unknown somewhere in Suffolk County. Anyway, let's go to Helena, who's calling from South Orange, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Helena, the State New York Pirates. Uh, I don't know if you remember me or not, uh, Curtis. I spoke to you several weeks before the election when you were a guest on another program, another station. Oh, I was a guest on many stations uh, during the mayoral campaign. So I I can't necessarily pin it down. Okay. Well, anyway, and I put in my two cents. But anyway, um, the word is bris, 
B R I S. There's no K at the end. So a bris. When I was accusing yeah. Philip, uh, I asked him, "Hey, Philip, did you have a bris?" And he had no idea first, what I was talking about. First, you were talking about a brisket. Oh, brisket. Well, that's what he's going to have during Hanukkah, but he's not Jewish. <laughs> and probably well, be, if looking at Philip, he'd probably be dry as a bone. You know how brisket has to be moist, right? <laughs> right. But, you know, uh, you probably know more Jewish than I do. My well, parents never spoke to me in Jewish. Well, they weren't just speak about me. They spoke to me. In, they spoke in Jewish, but never to me. I know, but you um, see, Helena, he rushes in here. He's, he doesn't have a Jewish bone in his body that we know have. We haven't done a DNA test in Salt Lake City to determine that. But he's claiming he knows what the riddle to the acronym, uh, mind your B.I.B. business, he says, has to do with Batinsky. It's a Yiddish word. And then I asked him, hey, have you had a bris? And he looks at me like I'm talking a foreign language, which meant <laughs> he knows nothing about nothing. Well, neither do I. Well, I know, I know the good words. <laughs> anyway, do, okay, a, do, do appreciate a, wait it. Wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Here's another thing. Um, someone has been calling into Barano's show and mentioning Farrakhan being at the uh, inaugural. No, Farrakhan at which nor- inaugural? Eric, uh, Eric, uh, no. uh, Eric Adams. No, his days uh, of uh, of adoring uh, Louis Farrakhan are over. That occurred in the early 90s. Uh, I guarantee you, Screwy Louis Farrakhan will not be on the guest list. He has changed his ways from back then. Although the mainstream media during the general campaign didn't even want to touch on that. Meantime, let's go back to the phones. It's Paul who's calling from Yorktown. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Paulie. Uh, yes, uh, this guy here doesn't realize us country people start hunting at the age 16, 17 years old. We're trained to fire, uh, how to handle firearms. This guy's just an anti-gun guy. That's all he is. We're, t- we're taught how to handle them. We're taught that we get licensed in them. So as far as he's concerned, as far as I'm concerned, he's just a left-wing nut. Well, no, you see, Paul, and- it's like the difference between urban and rural. So, for instance, in rural areas, uh, if you don't have a gun in many instances and you have a problem on your property or a problem taking place uh, against your family, or in terms of whatever you're doing, if you call 911, you'll be waiting a month to Sundays for any kind of law enforcement to arrive. It's probably a deputy sheriff. So you have to have some form of protection. And urban residents don't want to see the need that rural and some suburban residents have. And likewise, rural and some suburban residents don't understand why there's this aversion to have people uh, who can carry guns lawfully in urban areas. Well, we're soon going to find out if that's the case uh, in New York because you're not permitted uh, to carry. And uh, New York State uh, law may have to be changed as a result uh, of a United States Supreme Court decision. So stay tuned on all of that. Things could become quite topsy-turvy. But well, it is what they're looking to do is, is federalize all this stuff. And each state has its own rules, has its own uh, constitution. And we don't want the federal 
uh, taking over everything. No, no, understood. But again, the division is urban and rural. So I was talking to my chapter leader in Denver last night. Uh, he actually lives in the mountains now, about a, an hour and a half away, where everybody carries. Uh, you have to have a concealed, uh, uh, concealed for a pistol, but they'll openly carry rifles around. And yet if you go in the city of Denver, even though the same rules apply, almost nobody carries legally. Although a lot of people carry illegally. Let's go uh, go to Ted, who's calling from Nassau County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ted. Yes, and it's Pat. Oh, Pat, my mistake. I'm sorry. Hey, it's great to uh, finally speak of it. I've listened to you for a long time, Curtis. And um, uh, I think you do good work there. Thank you. Thank uh, you. At the station. Um, yeah, I was just at the BI business. Um, this is a guess. Um, I'm thinking best interest hmm. because if everybody kept doing things in their best interest, maybe then they wouldn't mind the business. Ah, all right. So the term that I've been using since I'm five years old and I'm now 67, so that's uh, 62 years, is, hey, pal, mind your BIB business. So you think the acronym BI stands for best business or, or no, best interest? I think best interesting. Yeah. All right. And again, yeah, because them, we yeah. have uh, Philip here, uh, not even a righteous Gentile. I don't know what he is, but Philip mm-hmm. uh, declares to be probably read it in uh, some kind of urban myth thing. He claims that it's a, a Yiddish word, Batinsky. Mm, he may I, be right. Uh, I'm telling you, I know quite a bit of Yiddish, even though I'm not Jewish myself. If you work a little retail in New York City, you pick up a lot of Yiddish, good yeah. words and bad words My together. My dad did. He worked downtown. Yeah. That's right. You see, that's how you pick yeah. up Yiddish as a Gentile. But this Philip didn't even know what, didn't even know what a bris was. Hey, Philip, yeah. why don't you go hey. into the boys' room, drop your drawers, and out. see if you had a bris, huh? I'm, I'm supposed to depend on him for Yiddish phrases. And he doesn't even know if he had a brush or not. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Chef extraordinaire, uh, Christopher Hahn. He's probably at the beck and call of his wife now because he's a real Maytag today. He's wearing the apron. He's got the, the little uh, mitts on. You know, he's doing all the cooking in the house. God. Man up, Chris, wherever you are out there in parts unknown in Suffolk County. one 800 848-WABC. And if there are those of you who are alone at home, you've got a friend here at WABC all day long. We'll have live programming. It's not the way it used to be when I first broke in here and on a holiday. You can mail it in. Yeah, no live programming. In fact, I'll be returning... uh, Substituting for Greg Kelly, one fifteen after Bill O'Reilly going to three, and then it's Rudy, and then it's uh, Bo Snurdly. So you're going to be getting live programming most of the day, and with uh, it being uh, Frank Franksgiving, in honor of Frank Morano, who uh, was doing the uh, morning hour show of news at five a.m. this morning, as he does each and every day with Jet Set Juliet. He got the news that. His lovely wife, Rachel, had broke water. Uh, He rushed to her side. Uh, She apparently will be uh, birthing, if she hasn't already birthed, 
them a son or, or a daughter. Uh, so I'll be doing the overnights tonight and then uh, be joined by the uh, Mama Luke, the Maytag, Christopher Hahn, who was told by his wife to get off the phone because he had to cook the complete turkey meal and all the sides that he's going to be uh, serving the 20 people who will be visiting him at Parts Unknown uh, at his Palacio out in Suffolk County. I mean, what a Maytag, right? His wife tells him, get off the phone. Ha! Oh, man. Uh, she probably put a ring through his nose years ago when, you know, they exchanged vows. That ring went right through Chris's nose. Anyway, let's go back to the phones, and it is... Uh, Terry, who's calling from Long Island, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Terry. Good morning, Curtis. Today is a day that I could thank you. I heard you talking on a show the other day about in the 60s, you were helping the hobos. At that time, we called them bums. I came from Mott Street, and you were helping them, and it just it, it just hit a nerve with me, and I wanted to thank you for doing that because he... We left him in 1960 because he was a violent drunk, and it had a... So when you said the 60s, I said you had to be there helping him because he ended up becoming one of those hobos that lived there, and he died there. I was told he died on the steps of a bank. Do you remember any a bank that had steps? Well, there were many down there. Remember the Bowery Savings Bank that Joe DiMaggio used to do advertisements for in his retirement years, but... Uh, the story I told Terry, just to correct it a little bit, I was a young boy, was in the 60s, my father, a merchant seaman for 55 years, Chester, uh, who would uh, ship out for eight months a year. We wouldn't see him for eight months, and then he would come back for four, uh, in which he would be with us, uh, living in the, the house that I grew up with in Canarsie. And from time to time, he'd take me to the uh, National Maritime Union uh, Hall, where the maritime guys would shape up for shipping assignments, which was in the 14th Street area. And we'd stop off in the Bowery, which was the place where the flop houses and the missions were in the 60s, where the men who were called either hobos or derelicts or bums or alkies uh, would live. Uh, and uh, he knew some of these guys because they had been merchant seamen. And he'd be having conversations with them. And I was like repulsed because a lot of them, it's bad smell, the smell of cheap booze. Uh, a lot of them hadn't had a change of clothes in a month of Sundays. They were wallowing out in the street. And he always said to me, he said, son, uh, Curtis, there, by the grace of God, go you. Never make fun of these people. Do whatever you can to help them in their time of need because uh, circumstances could occur where all of a sudden that's you lying on the ground. That's you drinking that cheap uh, booze. And that always stuck with me. So, Terry, I, I made it a point uh, of always thinking to myself, every time I see these lost souls, these men and women, there by the grace of God go you. In fact, if you go to the Guardian Angel uh, Facebook page, mm -hmm. you'll see a recent action, uh, not by myself, but uh, some of the Guardian Angels uh, up in West Harlem. Right. They saw this African-American guy. He was crying. He had no shoes, only socks. He could barely walk. Uh, there was no social workers out there. They're not perusing uh, up in that part of West Harlem. And they saw marshals open across the street. They went across the street, pulled their resources, bought them new shoes, put them on. 
uh, and he had a pair of shoes that he could actually get around in. Uh, this is what is going to be required more and more. You can't depend on government. Because yeah. look at what happened with de Blasio and his wife. They ripped off one and a quarter billion dollars of our tax dollars that was supposed to go to the emotionally disturbed. Many of them now forced to live in the streets, the subways, and the parks. I never saw any intervention on the part of any of those Thrive workers. So more and more, we're going to have to take up that Good Samaritan uh, ethic and take care of these people who are in need. Because government ain't doing it. Certainly de Blasio didn't in his eight years. Man, I hope that guy, he's got two houses there on 7th Avenue and 11th Street in Park Slope. I hope he sells them, moves back to Cambridge, where he originally was birthed and he was from, becomes an adjunct professor at Harvard University, and destroys a whole new generation of young people learning uh, political science. Anyway, let's go to Edith calling from New Rochelle. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Edith. Good morning, Curtis. I'm so happy to speak to you. It's an honor. Oh, I want to wish you. you and your family a very blessed, happy Thanksgiving. Well, my wife Nancy will love that, and our 17 rescue cats will love that because they're having uh, turkey uh, treats today in the Good form of, of in the form of cat food. Good for them. God bless them. I'm yeah. an animal lover also. Thank you. I'm 88 years old. Now, this is what we used to say when we were kids. Mind your own beeswax. That's right. I remember that term, oh, too. Oh, you remember that one. Okay. That's what I want to but tell you. what does that mean? Mind your own beeswax. I don't know, but that's what we used to say. All right. So now we have two conundrums here. Uh, mind your BIB business, which is what I used to say since I was five. I'm 67 now. I never heard that expression. Yeah, and Edith, what you heard, and I also heard, mind your beeswax. Yes. Now, yes. I know that ain't no Yiddish expression, that's for well, sure. Okay. So, well. let's, uh, Edith, on this uh, Tom Turkey Day, let's uh, break the wishbone and try to figure out what both of those uh, euphemisms mean. Boy, it's got me, or it's a real conundrum now. It's got me bamboozled here. Anyway, let's go to Rich, who's calling from Strong Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rich. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to both of you. Um, and Curtis, you're great. I uh, hope you get some regular time on the, on the station somewhere in the near future. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, Googling. It looks like business intelligence is for, uh, is an, uh, an acronym for BI, or BI is a, uh, an acronym for that. And that was back in the 50s. But my main call here is for, uh, I want to get Chris Hahn's response into his statement that uh, what an 18-year-old knows uh, can fit in a thimble, and what he doesn't know can fit in a library. What's his opinion on a lot of these um, political advocates in the nation trying to get the age down to 16? How does that add up with him? Yeah, I wish uh, Chris were available, but his wife started yelling at him because he's a real Mama Luke, a real Maytag. You know, he's not a man's man, and he, he's he's got to tend to cooking the turkey today and then also gotcha. preparing the mashed potatoes and all the other fixings. Man, he's going to welcome coming here tomorrow morning and joining me here in the studios at WABC. He's really whipped. He's really whipped. Well. We'll be listening in nonetheless. And you know what? I, he's he's really listenable when he's toned down a bit because he's very impetuous, and I can understand that. I hope Donald Trump's taking a few pointers here because I think he would be more 
presentable as well. Well, tomorrow so, uh, we'll get his uh, opinion, Chris, but I'll give you mine. Uh, no, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have 16-year-olds voting. The uh, turnout in non-presidential years of all voters is pretty disheartening. I just went through a major mayoral campaign in which I won the Republican nomination unexpectedly. Uh, turnout was low in both the Democratic primary, even though they had ranked choice voting and all the attention was on the 13 candidates. Eric Adams barely won the Democratic primary. Turnout was low. Turnout was low for the Republican primary. Turnout was low for the general election. But it was the same as it was back in 2017, pretty much the same. Famali Atakis versus de Blasio, and four years before that, Joe Loda versus de Blasio, who was running for the first time. Only 20% of the voters bothered to vote. Now, what are you going to blame that on? Uh, Joe Loda, yeah, he's he was boring, no doubt about it. Mali Atakis was a damn good candidate, went on to become congressman, uh, congresswoman, beat Max Rose in quite a battle. Uh, de Blasio, especially the second time around, you would have thought many more people would have come out to vote, hating what he had done the first four years, single-handedly destroying New York City. And yet they gave him a pass another four years to do even more destruction. And then you can't say it was an interesting race between Eric Adams and myself, although I wasn't being given any attention at first. I had two debates uh, with him, and I really took it to him. And yet only 20% of the registered voters showed up. One out of five who could vote actually voted. And what that says to me, it's not about the personalities. It's about the fact of a lack of civics. We're not teaching civics in the schools. People don't understand the importance of voting, how people died for our ability to vote, our right to vote, our privilege to vote. We just have uh, legislation here that will be probably passed in early December that uh, Mayor-elect Eric Adams uh, will sign into law when he gets sworn in, which is going to allow 800,000 residents who either have green cards or working visa permits to vote in local elections. That means they'll be able to vote for citywide office, mayor, public advocate, controller, uh, city council elections, local elections. Not statewide elections, not federal elections. But boy, it's tough now for Republicans to win, although a number of Republicans did win this time in their local elections for city council. I want to take some of the credit for that, for being at the top of the ticket. And um, I won uh, 14 assemblymanic districts, 12 of which were Democrats uh, who had been elected into office there. And those were mostly in the Asian-American communities. I won the Asian-American vote. But still, when you have green card holders who will be able to vote, those with work uh, visa permits able to vote, that's going to give the Democrats an even more overwhelming advantage in the city of New York. As opposed to that, if anything, it shouldn't be the legislature, the city council that determines that. They should have put it out there as an initiative and referendum. Let the people of New York City, the registered voters, decide if they wanted green card holders and those with working uh, permits, visas, to be able to vote. Happy Frank's thank. 
Happy Thanksgiving Day. That's what we've renamed it today here at WABC because when I came on board with Chris Hahn earlier today before he got called away by his wife, he's a real Mameluke, a real Maytag. He's got to cook the meal today at their household somewhere out in Suffolk County. Uh, Frank had to rush out the door when he was doing the news hour in the 5 uh, a.m. time slot. About halfway through, he got word that his lovely wife, uh, Rachel, had broken water and would be uh, delivering a child. I don't know uh, what the result of that has been. I know he ran out of here quickly, probably got clipped by every uh, speed camera along the way on Highland Boulevard, which means he probably owes hundreds of dollars at this point. (laughs) Get rid of those speed cameras. Uh, but hopefully, uh, mother, uh, and father are in good shape and hopefully that baby, if not delivered today, will soon be delivered. So I'll be on the overnights tonight, starting at one, the other side of midnight with yours truly, Curtis Lee. I did that slot many years ago. I've done every slot here at WABC in, uh, the close to 30 years that I've done talk radio. Most of them here, WABC, which at one point stood for the acronym always broadcasting Curtis. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's Suzanne. Is she a man? Uh, I've always asked. Hello, Curtis. In Washington Heights. Hello, Curtis. Yes. Um, I wanted to apologize. Did I use profanity on the air the other night? I I just had my COVID booster, and I was in Woozola City. I was half asleep and half awake, so I wanted to apologize. Wait a second. Hold hold on a second. You are chewing my shorts and pulling my chain. You are claiming that the reason you dropped the F-bomb on me the other day yes. is that you had just had your booster shot? Yeah, I was asleep and half awake, and I was like, oh, it really hit me hard. How and about, how about, about the fact that you were probably uh, knocking back Jameson earlier in that day? Oh, God, no. God, I hate, oh, God, I hate whiskey. I'm not a, no, I'm not a booze hound. I had a wino uncle who was on the Bowery Hill. So I'm supposed to believe this technology of yours. Yes, it is the truth. Was it a was it a booster shot from Pfizer, Moderna? Moderna. I had it like at six thirty that night. Yeah, I just went home. I was like, oh. Uh, so really this you had a form of Tourette syndrome in which you yes. were dropping the f bomb all day. Yes, and I was no, not all day. I didn't have the shot till like six thirty at night at the drugstore. So me, I was a mess. Let me tell you. Suzanne, I may be back after losing the mayoral campaign, but you cannot bamboozle me with that story. For all of you out there who have to be dumped as a result of using foul language, especially the F-bomb, the penalty to you is that you either wash out your mouth, old school style, with Fells naphtha soap, or if you happen to be Jewish, with Rokish laundry soap. And it is nasty stuff. And maybe that'll be a reminder to you, Suzanne the man, not to curse on the air. Anyway, let's go to the phones. It's uh, Scott calling from Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Scotty. Curtis, how are you, buddy? First of all, happy Thanksgiving. How's your arm? Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. Uh, let me get this straight to callers. We got to take you to the school of callers. You don't ask, how you doing? Because then what am I supposed to say to you? How you doing? Hey, how the wife and kids doing and all that? Just cut to the chase. And you certainly don't want to be saying like, hey, 
First time caller, long time listener here. No, 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 no. Uh, don't want any of that stuff, okay? So just some of the basic rules and regulations, and I'll screw you the rest of the way. But go ahead, Scott, with the rest of your uh, call. I'm asking you how your arm is, how you feeling from your, from your fall, from your accident. I've had, I've had better, better days. My uh, elbow is still uh, shattered. I still got it in a sling. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, when you hit your shin on a coffee table, your whole body resonates, so uh, it hasn't healed up yet. All right, let me throw three names at you. I need your opinion on these three names, okay? Okay, you go ready? for it. All three names. The trifecta, the troika, the trinity. Go for it. There we go. Joe Pepitone, Howard Stern, and Frankie Russo. Okay, let me give you my... Uh, in uh, interpretation, Joe Pepitone, since I'm a tried-and-true Yankee fan, I remember it was 1964. The Yankees were in the World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals. The uh, Yankees had Cleet Boyer at third. The uh, St. Louis Cardinals had his brother Ken Boyer at third. He ended up being the MVP, but Joe Pepitone was magnificent. I think he hit like uh, 25 home runs that year. Had a 250 batting average, but the guy could field at first base like there was no tomorrow. And eventually, when he played center field, took over for Mickey Mantle, my hero. Uh, he actually was one of the few who perfected the basket catch in center field. You had Roberto Clemente, William, Willie Mays, Tommy Agee, and Joe Pepitone, who had the uh, the basket catch. Love Joe Pepitone. Lived on Ralph Avenue, by the way. My cousin, uh, excuse me, my uncle Ralphie used to drive him to the stadium, Yankee Stadium sometimes for home games uh, from the Rockaway Parkway livery service, which was right at the uh, last stop of the LL train, Lousy Line. Then there's Howard Stern. Uh, Howard Stern, man, I'm telling you, he's like almost never on anymore, right? I think he's on like three days a week. Uh, so I don't know. Man, the guy used to be a workhorse. No more. And then, of course, there's Frankie Russo. I got beef with Frankie. I'll go into it uh, on the other side of midnight tonight because he had some uh, disparaging things to say about yours truly, Curtis Lewa. He is part of the JV team here at WABC. He needs more seasoning. He's not part of the varsity. So I'll get in uh, into it on uh, Frankie Russo from 1 o'clock in the morning to 5 in the morning. When I take over from Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. Anyway, uh, let's go if we can to Sherry, who's calling from Canarsie, where I'm originally from. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Sherry. Thank you for taking my call, Curtis. Happy Thanksgiving. You were the first Republican I ever voted for. Ah. And so did my mother, who is 89 years old. Well, God bless. Now, you, you see, if Sherry, if you voted twice, you and your mother, I would have been mayor of the city as we speak. <laughs> You'll get it, Curtis. I know you will. You deserve it. The city deserves you. Thank you. Thank you. Although uh, Eric Adams uh, won fair and square, we need him to give uh, give him all our support because he's got a, a real tough job to try to save the city from the damage done by Bill de Blasio over the last eight okay. years. Asshole Dennis Perry, 66-year-old, got five years probation for stealing $2 million from the homeless shelters. Yep, yep. Uh, and you know who talks about that quite a bit? Mm. Our own uh, Mike Mbadicic, Rudy Giuliani. The homeless shelter situation is a mess. De Blasio decided to subcontract it out to nonprofits, which are really just family organizations they enriched themselves, hired all their family members and friends, provided little, if any, services. 
then ended up getting the contracts for the other out, outsourced services, even had their own personal properties rented to become shelters. It became a money-making operation extraordinaire. Let's hope that Eric Adams undoes that. If not, I'm going to be his worst critic because it's just become a money machine for friends of Bill de Blasio. So beware, you have me to kick around. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here at WABC 